I wanna be the best in the game, invest in my name, check no restraints, I'm obsessed with the pain, I ingest, I retain, assess and I change, possessed by the thought I'll be free one day from society's restraints, money, clout and fame, mud disease, a plague, we all love to hate, have to play the game, have to make a name, all our insecurities are on This display. is war with the enemy, think that it was meant to be, living in a time where disease is on every screen. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Tactical Awareness, a podcast about Infinity and 4 by Corvus Belly. I'm joined again today by my co-hosts Owen and Dan, and we're going to tackle another topic on the journey of getting getting into playing Infinity. Um, we've done three episodes so far, uh, focused on getting ready to play a game, examining your army, writing an army list, knowing how to use fire teams and read a mission. And we kind of ended the last episode with jumping in and playing a game. So in this episode, we're going to do something different. It's a little less luxury, a little less show note driven um, and more anecdotal. It's going to be about the emotional journey of getting good at playing bad. Infinity is a game where you you almost start over every time you change factions or um, play a new opponent, play a new table, play in a new store, play in a new event. Um, and that can have some consequences. So we're going to talk about that a little bit and some of the strategies you can use to examine how you play and feel good about playing your games of infinity. <laughs> oh man, our uh just 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 to just to start us off. Um my favorite part about this episode so far is the fact that our our recollections of all of these things are different. <laughs> and, and from what side of the table you're on, it's gonna be fantastic. Well, um, I, I know it's real. I refuse I, to accept it though. <laughs> reality Reality. i reject your reality and i superimpose my own so hey everybody welcome to another episode of tactical awareness we're into episode four of season one um, of our show uh talking about some hopefully evergreen topics on getting into and starting to play infinity um in episodes one through three we started off with some common list building uh, terminology and strategies. We dove into fire teams and understanding how they work and some general sort of advice on building them. And then we just finished an episode about missions uh, and how to read and prepare for a mission in Infinity. And our goal with these, obviously, was to go through the process that each player goes through when they're first getting into Infinity and they play a game. And so temporarily, those three things made sense to do in order. But this one's going to be a bit different. Um, this episode is, there's not going to be show notes for this one, uh, just to prepare you guys right now, because this one's going to be a little bit more anecdotal and emotional. Um, this is season one, episode four, getting good at playing bad. So again, callback warning, we're going to refer to some roles and fire team and mission concepts in this episode that come from the seasons one, episodes one, two, and three. And if you find them confusing, check out those episodes before you go any further. Uh, and this is going to be, uh, uh, an episode about how to basically push down the frustration that almost every single player feels when they play infinity at some point. Um, and Dan and Owen and I are going to share some experiences and, and ask each other some prompts. So what I've prepared for tonight is a discussion about after you've played that game. So you've gone through sort of episodes one through three and you've played that game and it didn't go well. Um, you just played your game of Infinity. Uh, you're not sure what went wrong, and you're frustrated with the experience. You are definitely, definitely not alone. Um, and so tonight I, I want to go through and give some sort of like questions to everybody uh, and talk about that because what's useful when you play a game of Infinity is 
trying not to become irrational and buried in what's happening in the game. Infinity can be incredibly brutal. Um, it can be very um, unforgiving when you make a decision. Things can go wrong. And there can be cases where you are um, just betrayed by the RNG. D20s can swing all over the place and can lead to some very statistically unlikely results. So if you come at this from other war games, especially war games with a much shallower spread of results on a dice like a D6, it can be hard to adapt to the kind of gaming culture and emotional sort of like pace of infinity. It's very different in that regard. And I argue that's kind of what makes it unique. Um, it's kind of what I enjoy about it. Big plays and big risks can pay off. And likewise, when something crazy and unforeseen happens, it can lead to some really cinematic moments in the game. Um, this can be very unpopular with some players. So if you're trying to get into infinity for the first time, this can be a very big hurdle. And some people quit Infinity before they think they really ever give it a full sort of like shot um, because maybe some of these things happen that we're going to talk about tonight and they they don't really rally from them or they don't pick them apart and look at them in a way that's maybe constructive and useful. So before we go too much further on, um, let's talk about what's happened this week. Uh, get an update from the guys, uh, and then we're going to jump into the first sort of like question about some things that can happen when things go wrong in Infinity. So let's catch up with uh, Owen first. How was your week for Infinity, or just hobby in general? Yeah, it was all right. I uh, played an in-person game on Saturday, some uh, some uh, combined army against Spiral Core. Um, that was pretty fun. And uh, I also tried out a tabletop simulator game with Dan, actually, um, having not played Infinity on tabletop simulator before. So that was interesting. That was interesting to try it out and see what it was like. But uh, other than that, I collected up, um, what are they called? The Military Order Pan Oceana Headquarters Pack. And it comes with the curator the, Ooh, uh, like the, that. the Grand Marshal and uh, Hawkwind, Hawkwell. Yeah, John, Hawk, John Hawkwood, I think his name is, maybe. Hawkman. Or, yeah, yeah, Hawkman. He's a cool, he's basically like a super hospitaller. He's a hospitaller. Hawkins, yeah. He's a he's a hospitaller button pusher. Yeah, unlike the other hospitallers who are not button pushers. But, uh, but yeah, they picked that up because it looked pretty cool. And they're great uh, models, yeah. And you can proxy, you could proxy, um, like the HVT model in there for almost any of the profiles. Even Joan could actually be a probably proxied by it. Yeah, you could, you could use that commander one. And I mean, it has a profile too. So, like, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like Artichoke Beyonce. It's got like a job. Yeah. Yeah. And is also an HVT, which mm -hmm. is actually neat that a couple of the new HVT boxes are like that. I love that. Yeah. Pandora's that way. She's the HVT from um, Blackwind and she's got that crazy cool Steel Flanks profile. Where she's like a hacker doctor or a hacker paramedic. It's a weird, weird cool profile. I wish she was in like vanilla left, but she's not. Yeah. But uh playing a few games, playing against uh Spiral Core, tried out the Avatar. Um great fun. Avatar wins games. And then I played against Dan and I, I brought uh played some uh some uh Tartary Army Corps with uh, my dogs. And Old dogs go to heaven. It was great. Yeah, Dan got How to experience that. Was it great, Dan? How was it how was, was playing so against? Great. 
how how, is, how many models are in that army? Because it it it's like one trooper in the first combat group is actually four models. <laughs> you have two uh, anabode bags. Two of them are that. And also, <laughs> well, you also have Straylocks, which means that you have max Straylocks as well. So you've got an additional six. I think it's 24 models. Eight models. Yeah, like 15 hours and well, you got your uh, Impetuouses too. But it's like, it's a, just an absolute nightmare of camo markers and synced werewolves. Um, so we will put the list. army code in the show notes. <laughs> how, how'd that go, Dan? Why don't you tell us about that TTS game and we'll hear it from the other side. Yeah, so that was the only game I played. Uh, I got a bunch of painting done and I got some things on my Christmas list. So if there's a Boxing Day sale, I might uh, use some extra Christmas cash to add some guys to the army. So I'm just waiting for that. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, that, that game was... Uh, I brought a list that was that uh, Parvati list of like everything is uh, uh, an aria or everything is in, like as structure. Mm -hmm. There's no dudes at all, just because I thought it would be funny thematically. And then I was like, I only have ten models, and now I'm going against what was it twenty? <laughs> I was like, uh oh. What everybody's gonna kill three guys all right everybody's uh, gonna kill three guys <laughs> and then i was like oh halfway through the game i was like i was explaining to it beforehand but it was kind of like you don't comprehend it. like oh those are the controllers these are peripherals so yeah, they're, i killed they're six models and you lost no orders yeah cool okay <laughs> i got lost lieutenant but it, i'm still losing <laughs> yeah because he was able to climbing plus his zeta into a position to kill uh kill my lieutenant and it made very little difference yeah the bears are not the bears the wolves still have two orders with their impetuous order and can just go continue individually chain rifling people and throwing some moving in melee moving seven six doesn't hurt either for your uh, your packs <laughs> on that mission so yeah, that train, was pretty train slow. total's pretty good what mission were you playing um ooh, what mission was it dan there's four quadrants and Four buttons. Oh, and then so it's, it's either superiority, superiority, or um, or uh, uh, supremacy. It's one one of those two variations, probably. I think it was supremacy. supremacy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, OG supremacy. Yeah. Score every turn for the zone. Yeah, or yeah. Score every round, and then buttons at the end as tiebreakers. I think it was yeah. eight to one at the end, or something like that. No, I got two buttons pushed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I got two points. Sick. There you go. It yeah. was first turn. I went and pushed two buttons. That yeah. that one's also obnoxious because it pushes so many points into the zone, and even the points aren't troopers, right? Like they don't generate orders, not generate orders. So they're just like they can there score, was, but losing them is meaningless. It's uh, there was one point when when like seven guys were im imtued on the point because the Zeta's just riot stopping in every direction. Yeah, they were like, let's and, go kill the Zeta. I just, I'm like, <laughs> I just failed every fizz roll, but then I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I still got 90 points in the zone. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. it's time to get sticky. <laughs> just couldn't kill him fast enough. He's just goo gunning everybody. Oh, oh we're like our Yeah, okay. So this is what happened. Zeta got, you know, smoked and then, you know, close combat, good guy jumps into base to base with him. Like, okay, so I'm not going to be able to dodge away and I'm not going to be able to do anything. But there's a guy with a Spitfire on the roof that can just shower stuff into him and all, mm -hmm. he'll probably die before I do. Yeah, all um, your misses go on to the guys that you're fighting, so might as well, or going to you, but yeah, if yeah. all your heads go on the guys you're fighting. So I was like, I'll be fine. And then I rolled piss poorly. And after two shots, both my Zeta and him go down. And my Zeta is my lieutenant. So I was like, okay, Harvati, go, super jump, go. 
It took entirely too many orders for her to get there. Uh, because my uh, other uh, dude bots were going to be even longer to get up there because he was on such a tall building and far away. Um, but we got him back up and we killed some more guys, but it just it just wasn't enough. There was just too many too many dudes on the board. Mm-hmm. And then I my O12 is not great at dodging with their with their regular dudes. And so uh, a bunch of chain rifles just kind of wiped me off the board and that was that. Yeah, that is a that is a um a, a agent of chaos list. <laughs> like that's a and TAC is incredibly strong right now. Like they're they're a really strong faction, not with that build, but that build is like a list to nightmare where like you can take that all dogs go to heaven and then you can take like a more traditional 15 order unknown ranger um hanging out with like frontobnics and um, even with sensor having 20 mm. such 20-ish camo markers like spread around your whole half of the board because like eight yeah i had double sensor mil, eight twenty-five mil and four forty mils are forward deploying mm-hmm. and then six more forty mils are in your deployment mm-hmm. and so like you could just spread everywhere and like everything has, has yeah, markers. jan the midfield yeah no it's if you're if you're trying to take like a non-traditional approach to doing like any of those zone scoring missions where you're playing like frontline or superiority or supremacy, when we talk about missions where you're trying to hold a zone of operations, so ones where quadrants of the table or strips of the table need to be held round by round or at the end of the game, nobody floods like that. Like even even back in the eight Taga days, you couldn't flood like <laughs> like um, Ariadna and Tac can flood. You can just uh, push in camel markers because like the Tigers can't. I mean, I guess they get intuitive attack their chain rifles into or the chain colts into um the but, I mean say, but then the animals just walk in and eat them too. Even the uh, the sensor bots that are reliably going to discover everyone. Two or three orders to get up there, and you better be able to discover in such a way that no one's going to see you. Because like any one of those camel markers are all armed with something that could kill that discovery bot if he messes up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just you just your the the horrifying thing is you can just throw a grenade if you get within sixteen of one of those uh, one of those wolves. He can just hum a grenade at fizz sixteen, like or or yeet an a, a, an axe at you or a yeah, hammer. Yeah, like, the trench hammer. Yeah, ones with the trench hammers. Yeah, the Straylocks um and opposed can throw trench hammers at you. So there's, it's not like they're just templating to it. You're right. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do that are very defensive. And like grenades are horrifying to link teams because it's basically like a teeny missile launcher that's, if you get too close, is Fizz 16 plus three. So like Fizz 19. So even like if you're a um, TO guy coming to assassinate that guy, if you want to just throw a grenade point blank at him as he comes towards the corner, like an Oni Waban comes at him, just be like, I'm going to CC you. Cool, I'm going to throw a grenade at you. <laughs> Like the grenade might actually be better in some ways. Um, you can catch multiple models and stuff too. It's a neat, it's a neat trick. Uh I, I was really excited that I had like two sensor bots and I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I can like reveal all these camo markers. And I'm like, I revealed like 10 camo markers. I don't feel good about anything that's happening right now. <laughs> and it's funny because that's that game I think dovetails nicely into tonight's discussion because I, I don't want to misrepresent. I don't want to say that I think, because I've played against Owens, all dogs going to happen list a lot of times. Not not um, quite this one. And, and, but yeah, because this one's, this one's your, I've got any model I want all the time. Right. It's on TTS. TTS solves that. You're, yeah, TTS you're, solves all the issues. <laughs> Mine's the models like you had. six or seven yeah. camel markers behind. It yeah. was almost and there. But not it was quite. almost there. And you've played against my version of that, but I don't have the Straylocks painted and I don't have the um, Anipodes painted. I have them. I just never bothered to paint them. So 
you haven't played against I, the the whole like gamut of what can be run in that list. Um, but so what I'm saying is, sorry, just I'm sure it's right along it, but I don't think that that game was unwinnable for Dan, but that list that Owen's taking is designed to create an emotional reaction, right? <laughs> it's designed to do exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight, where you, some things just feel futile, like spending the orders to discover and shoot an antipode doesn't gain you anything. <laughs> like it kills like six points out of a zone and doesn't even reduce an order. So they're, that they're frustration, five. sorry, five points. Yeah. Only I was, five. I was yeah. he kills, so he good. kills six guys and I'm like 30 points. Yeah. So if he's got, if, if, if Dan's got like 30 to 36 orders over the course of the entire game, he just spent an entire order not even killing, you know, like he killed, what is it? One, one and a one, half, one and one and two thirds, one, one and two thirds percent. No, one and two thirds percent because three three points is a percent of your forces, right? So one and two thirds percent of, of Owen's force was killed with uh, a, a great deal more of his order cap percentage, probably because he probably didn't discover shoot it either. He probably walked over and then discovered no, it I, and then I shot it. Yeah, sure. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I censored. I walked up and censored. So you didn't I even kill him on that order. So at least two orders then to kill five points, right? Because you walked but, up and censored, then shot. No, like I uh Discovered I shot. was trying to I was no, I walked up and censored, but in such a way that I could hit the most I could while keeping it a line of sight. Right, right, right. And so it was just trying to I was just trying to kind of minefield, like let's just reveal everybody. Yeah, yeah, minefield everybody. Then, yeah, yeah. And then we can go about attacking them. And then if they're not camoed and I'm kind of up there, then he's not going to spend the time to re-camo. And so then my uh, my uh, my total reaction bots and my other like my guys up on rooftops can actually do stuff instead of just like trying to shoot at camo markers. And so that was my idea. And then I was just like, oh wait, you didn't lose any orders at all. I'm you're still a, I I got lost of lieutenant on you. I killed your lieutenant, and I feel like I'm still losing ground. And not controlling zones. Cool. I I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you're and then you're just kind of like grasping because you're like, well, that plan didn't work. What do I do now? Yeah, <laughs> killing like, these wow. things that are killing me is getting me nowhere. How do yeah, I shift and, gears? And then the dice went bad as I tried to shoot his uh, guy, wolf or dog or whatever, off of my tag, and then I shot my tag down. And so instead of having four more orders with my tag running around the backfield trying to kill his controllers, I uh, was trying to resurrect my tag so I wouldn't have lost a lieutenant on the next turn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was. I mean, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a game, and and that's the thing is, I I, I want to preface I think um, our conversations later by talking about the fact that even though Dan is the newest to Infinity in this group, um, he is not new to wargaming. And and what we're going to talk about today happens in almost every war game to a greater or lesser extent. I think it's just incredibly pronounced in Infinity. So for me for this week, I also had a very similar um, sort of game experience. I played a game against Jordan with my OSSS. He plays Tunguska um, and took a very, um, I would say, like classic Tunguska list. He had some great hitting pieces and a pair of Krizaborax. He had many problems. Um, he had a uh, pair of interventors, one killer, one normal heckler killer up front with some cyber mines, um, had his stempler, had his cyclone to rain missiles, a couple of transductors to put a net out for all intents and purposes. 
I should have lost the hacking game. I had one Asura and I had a ProBot Evo hacker. Um, I was outgunned in that respect. And in my list, which was a five-man Dakini link with a paramedic, a Dakini, a sniper rifle, and HMG, backed up by a ProBot and a Diva um, Spitfire MSV2. I had just a MuleBot. I had two Dayliths. So I had double Daylith with the Clowning Plus um, marksmanship. Uh, toolbox botanist. Uh, and then I had Pravati with a Yud bot in group two, hanging out with a net rod. Um, that's where the ProBot Evo was. And I had a Warcore for my last three points. So I didn't have like a lot of hitting pieces. I had this link, relatively inexpensive, sitting in my deployment. We're playing um, Superiority, which is the direct action version of um, Supremacy. So again, same as you guys were playing, four quadrants, four consoles. You're trying to hack each one for a total of three. You can round score for two. Um, take you to nine and then if your key ops is holding a zone dominant at the end of the game you get an extra one for 10 uh and i won the roll off for turn and i played risky because i knew if uh jordan could set up his hacker net i would have an absolute nightmare time advancing the asura even if i put her in cyber mask i, I would have nowhere to be able to really go if he could get his fast pandas out and his transductors out behind walls in the midfield where I wasn't, where I'd go to assassinate a hacker and then have to fight all the other hackers at the same time, right? And that's not like even with, even with my awesome whip um, and plus two damage, mind bullets for Trinity, I'm not going to win against four hackers at the same time because they're also trying to oblivion me at the same time. I have to face to face all of them. I don't even have enough dice to do that, so I chose to go first. Um, and I knew that I had like two jobs to do in the first turn i need to push to the consoles because then i could forget about it for the rest of the game he'd null deployed for the most part so i couldn't see anything now we're on rooftops he had all the high ground his side stuck guys stuck his hackers on rooftops where i couldn't see them everybody's, everybody's prone um creases were in the back ready to like launch out afterwards and like push forward he deployed pretty conservatively um so i was free to basically just go push the two buttons that were closest to me and then i needed to kill his missile bot because I figured if I could kill his missile bot, get into the midfield, hold him off long enough that his hacker net couldn't push out, I, I wouldn't die from like arrow spotlights. So I sent my two Dayliths on like an adventure, one climbed to the highest piece of ground in the middle so they could see where the missile bot was and gunned it down. The other one gunned down um, a couple of his sort of like hidey pieces and then got in a fight with the hackler and got stuck and couldn't go anywhere after he censored him. Um, and like just pushed him back into his zone and we ended up not scoring for the first two turns but he didn't he didn't have like a lot of options to rally without dealing with those dayliths first the asura smiley face and moved up field just with lieutenant orders to like get its presence there and then held off for like two turns so i i really gave him a bunch of like emotional damage in the first turn and was pretty hard to come back from because his initial plan right of of like put out hacker net get missile bot he just didn't have all of a sudden he just couldn't do it I, i'd fully killed the missile bot he didn't have an engineer didn't have a paramedic i killed a bunch of his hitting pieces and now he had to try and fulfill his same plan but with less tools than he started with like right from the beginning of the game um and i'll talk about a bit more later but he actually rallied really well we both tied on zones for turns one and two so nobody scored and it wasn't until turn three he managed to push two of the consoles as well um but i killed his key ops and then i round scored on turn three 
uh, by just like eliminating the rest of his army with my fire team. And it ended up being 5-2 at the end. It was really close. Uh, and he rallied super well, which I think is going to be a good story to talk about when we get to these questions and stuff. Because he's no in the in the old days, he uh, and I would have games where that would have like, I think, challenged him. And he has really done a great job of like stepping stepping back and asking himself a bunch of questions mid game when things are like upside down all of a sudden and then coming back with a plan of like, oh, I can just do this instead and just changing gears. Um, and I think that's going to be a useful anecdote to tell a little bit later on. So I'm going to save that one. Uh, so yeah, so I was happy with my OSS. That's nice to get a newly painted army on the table and actually have them do okay, which was good. Uh, and yeah, and it was a fun game. It was fun because it ended up being close. My plan went the way I wanted it to, but then I got stuck too and had to like get bogged down and lost my sir in the end. I had to like stick it and <laughs> stick it in Cybermask as long as I could. Somewhere it couldn't be found. Luckily, sensor doesn't work on um, smiley faces, so you can't reveal a um, impersonation marker with the sensor bot, and that saved me in the end. When in doubt, go smiley face. <laughs> when in doubt, cyber mask. Yeah, when in doubt, cyber mask. Indeed. Uh, and then I discovered that marksmanship, Dakini snipers, and HMGs are real good. <laughs> They're the answer to damn near anything uh and if you have parvati line with a you'd bought in in like reserve then they can get brought back too they're actually they they answer so many of the questions from the previous episode of like can you win gunfights can you reliably come back can you afford to lose um osss feels like it's going to be like a one-trick pony and i'm going to meet people that know how to take me apart but they do the trick they do really well the problem is that all the pieces are expensive so it's hard to it's not like my nomads where I can have redundancy. There's not a lot of redundancy when a piece falls down. Your 70 point Asura is a, a big investment to go off and have adventures and die. All right. So let's let's uh let's jump in then and talk a little bit about having a hard time playing infinity. Um, so I kind of already did the preamble, uh, but just to go over it again, um, going through and, and playing your first few games when you're first getting into infinity can be really challenging. Um, and very often when you're done, you can have uh, almost no idea what went wrong and be really frustrated with the game. So the goal for this conversation is to give some prompts, some questions to ask, and then some anecdotes and some strategies on how to get over that stuff. Um, or even just to recognize that those things happen in the game. That sometimes is enough is if you look back in a game and go, oh, this happened. I need to not let this happen again. And you might find you have a better time in Infinity. So these are almost like bookmarks you can look for in your games to go, uh, maybe this is why this went wrong. <laughs> Again, every game is unique and, and every player is unique too. So it didn't feel right to do like a definitive um, like textbook kind of uh, lecture like we've done for the first three on this because people can come up with different versions of this and everyone reacts to it differently. Um, so I've written some, Dan wrote some in here too, uh, but the goal here is put yourself after a game of Infinity that you did not enjoy. Um, you, not necessarily didn't enjoy it, but didn't go well, and you're frustrated, and you don't feel good, and you're not sure why. So not, we're going to ask yourself some questions. Um, the first one, and I think this is super common in every game of Infinity, did you get in a fight that took more than three or four orders to resolve? Anybody have a story they want to kick off for that one? Oh, I've uh, I've failed to push a button seven times consecutively on whip 14. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we've but, not got that one. I mean, a fight in particular. I think that's on film. <laughs> it's still, I I think both of us have done that on film. <laughs> but I mean, a fight yeah. specifically, like when I, mean, I had one. I had one recently. Sure. Um, I had a Katakuri Harris team going up against a. Uh, which one is the Toha Sapper? The Nikul ambush unit. The Nikul. So the Nikul on one burst against a Mark 12 Katakuri link team took 10 orders to go down. And I died doing it. <laughs> so like that sometimes happens. So what was uh, so incredibly vital? Like can you can you think back and remember like why that piece had to die? Like was um, it overwatching something? Was it preventing you from doing something? It locked down my link as the reserve kind of deployment without my link having to crawl all over the place. And it also had perfect view over the armory that I needed to enter. Um, and so in order to access the armory or get my link moving, I needed to remove this piece. Um, and for those of you who've played against Toha, it has two wounds because it has two symbiote modes yeah. Yeah, and it has a symbiomate. And so it has a lot of health built in. And then on top of that, I just, just couldn't hit it. I just couldn't roll the dice. Oh, um, nice, yeah. And you lose the dice enough or you win, but it doesn't matter because he's always in cover and he's got the first one he's total immune against and this and that. Um, and because you're limited on orders and you're trying to push forward because you're like, I have to kill this guy and get to the next one because I, I have to reduce their order pool if I'm, if I'm not going to get the room this turn because this model has taken like like vastly more resources to remove than it should have um i need to remove more models and so you have to play riskier and then you now you you now have to lose twice as hard if things go bad and eventually i took it down um but it was one of those situations of the like i don't there isn't another tool and then is that on me for not having brought another tool that could have solved this problem like shinobu would have gone and killed this guy mm -hmm. should i should i not just have shinobu in every list in this in order to not have this situation arise again right where I'm, or, like i'm not going to get in this gunfight where if my opponent has this kind of this quality of overwatch available i'm just going to always have a tool that can delete that as needed and and also like at what point does the sunk cost fallacy kick in you know what i mean like at what number of orders do you like put the brakes on you know what i mean and go hang on is there another way i could do this could i coordinate some models could i like could i get people moving while i'm fighting this guy so at least something else is happening during the turn like that's i find that that's the like <laughs> that's the hard part for me when i get in those engagements is when i look back at it and i'm on order five part of me is just like this guy has to die this guy i can't i can't let him live now i've committed too much to this you know what i mean and I, I I completely tunnel vision down onto that engagement. I lose track even of the tools I might have had. And then in hindsight, I'm like, I could have just coordinated four guys to shoot this guy. And he could have only shot back against one of them. And then, you know, like all these other things I could have done to even just like get pieces moving while I'm doing the engagement. So I might still be spending four to six orders, but maybe other guys are still moving around and getting to the where they need to be afterwards. Who are you trying yeah, to gunfight him with? Category Mark 12. 
Oh, the Karakuri Mark 12, right. Yeah. Oh, I, I outgunned him significantly. And it was a Harris. Like, right. It, it was it was completely... And he's at bad range. Like, like, for a bunch of reasons, I should have won the fight much sooner than I did. And I did eventually do it. And the game came down to, like, his last two orders dodging into the room in order to win. Like, it, it didn't mean that the game was a total wash. But you get in this situation... And I, it happened to me with Dan not too long ago where, where just everything doesn't go your way at the beginning mm-hmm. and trying not to, not to like, okay, re-rack, what can we do? What do we have left? What mm-hmm. do we have left here? What do we have left there? That sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. That happened in uh, my game with Jordan, where he tried to fight my, he tried to discover my Asura. And he failed his, his um, stumblers on in the first try. And so he couldn't, and that was the only piece really available to him to go and do that. So he couldn't all of a sudden get to this piece that was down to one, but had no wounding cap left. It was just about dead. I'm just hiding in cyber mask basically at the end of a turn, trying desperately not to get killed so that I can send over Parvati next turn and bring it back to full health, right? Um, and he's like, what else can I do to kill it? Who else can go discover it? Someone else has to go discover it. And then he's like, hang on, I have this other piece over here, the specialist that could just go push this console right now with the two orders I've left. Why don't I just go do that? <laughs> and so he just goes and does that instead. And that ended up being way more useful to evening up the score of the game than like fixating on trying to kill this cyber mass to Sura, right? That that he was afraid was going to do something the following turn. Right. Not that either of those is right or wrong, but one got him back on mission and ended up scoring a point. And killing the Asura, it's, I mean, it's it's not, it, it would have taken her to the zone to get 70 points to the zone, which is a huge deal. But I already owned the other zone with my link team, right? So it wasn't like, it wasn't like killing that zone was, or killing the Asura, that zone in particular was going to um, deny me uh, the um, the two points for the end of the round. Right. So I think that's super, I think that's super, um, uh common is that people will sink a bunch of orders into something and then get into this like vortex of <laughs> this has this is my plan a and plan a has to work and you almost overly commit to plan a um do you ever anything like that happened dan so far in your games any experiences like that hello have we lost dan is dan still in the room oh my god did i just miss that he's not there no he's there I guess not. <laughs> He's just suffering some uh, technical difficulties. I think head. so. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So it's um. So it's on to the next question then, because Dan has disappeared. Um. So the next one is: Did you miss objective points that you could definitely have earned if you just spent your orders differently? And this is almost like a perfect follow up to question one, because that tunnel vision can can result in that too, right? So I, I have a good example of that classifieds i leave classifieds on the table all the time um or i leave consoles and button push objectives on the table all the time and i think i do it because i again i like get lost in trying to clear the field um as opposed to trying to um like actually do the objective so I, or I'll focus on primaries over secondaries. Uh, and a good example of that is totally forgetting about like my key ops in a mission. When my key ops could have spent one order, its own tack wear order, 
and stepped over a line like in let's say cryogenics and all of a sudden have been scoring me the additional points per round for having a dominant key ops and i just forget to do it and then all of a sudden i've lost a point every round starting on round two and maybe i forget again on, on round three or whatever right um those are really common for me where I will just run out of orders and have forgotten something super simple that would have scored me like a point uh, to like net undermine. And that's why recently one of the things I've been trying to do is any objectives like that, any objectives where I go and um, push a button, I do them immediately. I do them while my order pool is fresh. I don't wait until I'm like depleted and I've lost a bunch of models to try and do it because inevitably I stop like um i stopped being able to participate and then those points are gone i can't score them especially if they're like round locked um or they're locked to like a specific model that needs to do them and then they're just like finished i'll lose an objective because like i'll lose my paramedic that needs to do it or i'll lose my whatever the specific person that needs to do it is right well I'll, I'll forget i'll get my key ops killed or just not move them into a zone yeah i mean those are all definitely ways that'll uh upset you that's for sure <laughs> that's true i mean after the game right and i think that i think that vortex of like order spending where you're too too focused on one part of the mission um becomes um becomes like problematic for for getting getting the score you want at the end of the game uh, something i've seen um you do owen is sometimes you'll count your orders out. remember you get those magnetic order tokens and you would like put piles next to people of like, hey, I've got this many resources this turn. I need to do this and this. And you would like parse them out before you actually started taking your turn. Do you still do that? Um, less so now. Because I could just do it. Like I do it in my head now. Like I used to need to put them all around. And sometimes I'll do things like I'll put an order aside. Um, because there's some individual guy that needs to do a very specific thing. And, and like that's what I'll do is like, like maybe... I need to remember at the end of the turn to go into camo. And so an order just slides out of the pool and sits over a little bit to the side of the rest of the pool in order to stop it from, uh, or stop me from getting caught up in trying to kill somebody. Right. Like it's, it's more advantageous for me to allow this one guy to not succeed, like to be in the wind or to be left not killing. Um, if it means that that other guy gets back into camo or this person or like you have a command token set aside, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, because generally I find whenever I play a turn, I, I set like a single goal. And then how many ways are there to get that goal? So like playing Dan the other day, he has a Zeta. How do I kill the Zeta? And I also need to remove his discovery bots. Um, which one of these is a higher priority? Discovery bots are the easier one to do. So even if the other one's a high priority, I need to do this one first anyway. Um, so let's see what tools I have. I got smoke, I have melee, I've got camo. Who's nearby? How many orders could I potentially, like how likely is it that this is going to be done in one or two orders? Am I willing to die doing it? Like, can I just go in the open and risk my life? And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of... And then when things go wrong, you end up in a situation like the other game I had with Dan where your lieutenant ends up isolated on turn one and you lose every model in the first face-to-face -face role <laughs> right um and like then it's okay i think i've lost 
let's see what we can do to try and recover from this. And then I ended up winning because he then made a mistake on the other mm-hmm. end. And then you called it back. That was yeah. that was Jordan in our game uh, this week where like he didn't get to win, but he stalled me for two turns that I should definitely have scored on. Um by just playing well and and pushing me back and making it so I didn't I didn't have any comfortable moves right without losing pieces. Yeah. Like that was the that was sort of like the key there, right? Is you can make it really uncomfortable to move around or make it high risk to move around. And then all of a sudden you're left not scoring a turn. And those round scoring ones, especially once the points are gone, they're gone, right? If you don't score on round one or score scoring round two, you've locked yourself out of that full 10. And then you can start to feel bad about it. And I think that leads to like a really interesting question. Like what about tilt <laughs> we've all tilted i think everyone um in infinity at some point has tilted and, and to i've explain, never tilted he's back yay he fixed his mic <laughs> we've had some we've been background trying to like type in the chat to uh dan to see if we can get him to come back you've never tilted once in your life you well, not in infinity it's because i've that. never played a game of consequence <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough yeah that's right. there's, there's been low stakes so far um and and we should define what tilting means um tilt is an old term that actually comes from playing pinball games uh and a pinball game is a the old arcade game where a spring would fire a ball up and it would go into rubber bumpers and you would try and keep the ball bouncing in the air as much as you could um but people would actually like physically pick up and move the pinball machines to get the ball to go where they wanted to go and they had like a a gimbal system in them with a sign that would say tilt and it would automatically delete your score if it felt you tilting the machine. And the whole thing was you can't tilt, you can't tilt the machine because it's cheating. So when you're playing pinball, you got to play it fair and not tilt the machine. And so it's come kind of in like modern day uh, language and like wargaming especially to mean when you go emotionally off the rails in a game. (laughs) And I think a bunch of these like prompts that we're talking about with each other, um, can get worsened by like immediately emotionally going off the rails and like committing to bad decisions because you are now emotionally invested in the results or you've lost your objectivity. Um, I've seen Owen tilt. He denies it. Never. <laughs> he denies it to the death that, he, that, that yeah, he's never tilted. And then I've never won legitimately. And it's always been the dice of the rules. Also true. <laughs> my opponents have never beaten me because they're good at the game they only ever win because the game is unfair and dice are rigged if it wasn't for that if if i rolled perfectly i would just win every time you just right? win every so, game. It's true, and, yeah. and therefore any loss is dice not choice it's true it's not, that's you how had no it franchise you had no, it's all it's all predetermined determined there was never a chance a i was always going to either win or lose purely on the dice's whim there's no modifiers you can do no unit comp choices, no 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 order choices. You had no power. All it was was if I had crit more, then I would have won instead of you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Matthew McConaughey of Infinity. Um, so, so, um, yeah. So, and it happens. And and everyone, if you're listening out there, if you felt yourself get frustrated with Infinity, you are absolutely not alone. Absolutely, every person that's ever played this game unless they are some type of super like zen monk who just don't care about that yeah or don't have an emotional center um have at some point been like felt that tilt they felt that emotional tilt because like we said in the beginning the game can be unforgiving um it can be brutal and it can it can be very very swingy at times 
um, and the unexpected can happen. And it's hard to recover from it uh, because this is not a game of 2000 space Marines, right? This is not a game where you have a ton of redundancy and, and redundancy means like an extra guy who can do the same job, not 50 more models in your army that need to die before your plan starts to go off the rails. So um, let's talk about tilt. Let's talk about things you can do when you are tilting. So what's okay, the... Well, just, just context first is it's always like it, you, you can't really tilt unless you're competitive about the thing. And so oh, if you're I think casual, you can, I think you can tilt for. I think you can tilt for. I think you can tilt Dan, because the other guy's army isn't painted. I think you can tilt because somebody proxied a miniature and you forgot what it was or didn't really know understand what it was. You can tilt for so many reasons, dude. I don't think it has to be that they're competitive. I hard disagree on that. I think you can. I think everyone's triggers to tilting are completely unique. All right. As as you go along, all these uh, examples, I I have. I'm leaning more your way again. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I've bullied Dan into my way of thinking. Um, yeah, I, I think every, I think every <laughs> I, tilted, I tilted you emotionally. Um, I, I think that it's I think that it, uh, the the emotional response is different for everybody. Like it, just to like pop psychology Owen for a second, having played hundreds of games of Infinity against Owen, the thing that tilts Owen the most is when a rule is either unintuitive or lends to a scenario that that doesn't make sense in a given situation so when when the stakes are important if there's a rule in particular that it is it is only like ever applicable in this one situation and doesn't make a ton of sense that's the only time that owen tilts about it um what was the one in n2 n3 remember there was like a camo thing a six sense camo thing yeah the chasseurs were the, the, thing in, in the chasseurs that's right yeah yeah just uh, the mechanic for those of you that don't understand six cents in the previous edition allowed you to declare your AO ARO after your the active player has declared their second skill. Um, what that meant was your opponent would move around the corner and rather than you having to say what you're going to do, they would have to then say, and I'm going to shoot you with my shotgun and you're like, oh, then I get to use my template ha 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 or whatever you wanted, which is normally the active player's advantage. The issue with this particular model, though, is that as a camo state, the active players' AR or action choices are limited due to your state. So they can only discover, dodge, or move again. But what it meant was, if this thing could see you, or rather you could see it or whatever, um, you had to declare move, discover, or dodge, and then it could shoot you, place down a token, do nothing, whatever. And you had no other choices. You just had to accept that you're going to get freely shot by a guy who had a boarding shotgun or, or some combination of something like that. Um, and the only way to fight it would be to discover it. But if you do discover and he does shoot, oh, cool, you got the discover off, but now you're dead. And yeah. that that interaction made it like it was it didn't require any effort to make it happen. It just instantly happened. And it went against the spirit of the game of I act and you react and we go that back and forth. And and that was one of those ones that like, I remember my first interaction with it at a tournament, <laughs> getting really frustrated that that was how it worked. Yeah. Um, and then, and then having to try and figure out a way to overcome it. And the answer was multiple Magariba guards with multiple heavy flamethrowers. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Go ahead. I'm going to move. <laughs> it's Reveal all, yourself. It's almost I'll live. the answer to be fair. <laughs> and, and again, to, to, to be clear too, this is not an issue in this edition of the game. So 
this is an older example case. And actually, the new order declaration FAQ stuff is all meant to combat that kind of stuff too, right? Where you can declare your orders in any order you want. You can shoot at something you can't see um, in ARO, but the active player can't. Like all that required sort of like stuff now in the FAQ is to put a downforce on that. But you can yeah. you can see exactly why those FAQs needed to happen and those rules needed to change in N4 because they led exactly to that state where, oh, and who's normally unflappable has this interaction with a player who is leaning into it and it's fully legal but is leaning and into it right to do it. so like yeah absolutely as, as annoyed as i may be and it's the same as the current edition's dodge mechanics on active turn you should take advantage but that doesn't mean that i think it's an appropriate thing and it, it's the things that when i encounter it and it's used to advantage i'll become frustrated because it's like is that what we're doing like is that how this is going to be mm -hmm. okay and that's that's my reaction like that's how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, and it lends to a it lends to like a, especially if you can see it coming or you feel like it's coming, or you weren't expecting it, or you have to learn it on the fly like you did back in N three in that tournament, or like, the dodging in this event. Like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The one right, event yeah. I've played in N four, every single player I played against used it in the same ways, in order to to end with link leads or link members in line of fire with multiple shotting explosive weapons. Um, or in order to, to set up multiple guys to be able to have line of fire, um, or having high fizz template weapons able to see you that you can't react to until your turn. So now you're just stuck with this thing in your deployment that normally you'd have an opportunity to fight before it got to go there. But because this mechanic allows them to circumvent that, there isn't really a, a counterplay to it. You mm -hmm. have to just accept that that's the way it is. Yeah, it's an un it's like an unforeseen consequence of active turn dodging that the the final position of the miniature actually isn't determined. So for those who don't entirely understand what Owen's talking about, active turn dodging means making a dodge is one of your two short skills when activating a model during your turn. And it's kind of the only time in Infinity that um, the final position of a miniature isn't known on its active turn until... Dicer after rolled. dice are rolled like and on the reactor dodge that's fine because the the state of the initial confrontation is set and then the dodge is the end of the order right and it kind of resets the stage for the next order in this case the active player gets to move again afterwards and so they can put themselves into really advantageous positions or really even if they move into line of fire as part of the dodge move to a model who otherwise had not been able to ARO, which in any other instance, if you move into line of sights from someone and are now capable of doing an ARO, you get to do an ARO. This does not because it's at the end of the order and therefore there's no opportunity to respond. And so like one that I'm thinking about leaning into is I'm gonna start dodging my motorcycles who have dodge plus two and dodge plus three accordingly, five inches with template shotguns. You have no resist. You can't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be beside you with a bunch of shotgun templates. And you can go, oh, yeah, well, some other model will blah, blah, blah. But it's a thing that this otherwise couldn't have happened. Normally, you'd have had an opportunity to fight me or get out of the way or blah, 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 hack me, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now you've lost that option purely because of the ability to now move during the active turn as part of a dodge. Yeah. Because you, you always end, could you dodge. End in, and you end in line of fire. Yeah. And those people have no opportunity to ARO because the ARO window is closed because right. it's, it's at the resolution of the order that you make that dodge move. So it's, 
it's weird because once again, it feels unintuitive to like Owen said earlier, the active reactive. Um, what I view as the spirit of the game of yeah. this act and react. And this goes against that normal rule. Yeah. Cause in this case it's act, act and your opponent doesn't get to react and you get to kind of take your second action with no consequence. Yeah. Now you can say, Oh, well, if at the end of their first skill, you get to react and it's true. Like, yeah. But if you can't see him, <laughs> but this is like, you can a, do it. it feels very, it feels like, an odd change because you could always have done dodges before but the active player just didn't move mm -hmm. and i never i never had an issue with that well like and that, simply that simply was by, a fair way of doing things yeah. right simply by virtue of taking the role now you can basically get your second short skill without generating any ro right right especially with like that's six what two feels movement weird. guys yeah like they can they can move with impunity on the second part of their skills Yes, you have to roll a dice. So there is a failure state and they won't always get it. But it's one of those like, normally a failure state means you die because someone else is trying to kill you when you do something. Not that you lose too uh, much of the movement. <laughs> not that you just didn't move as far as you otherwise could have. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that. that is the kind of, and like even in this conversation, you'll you'll surely pick up on it, that this is something that I find very frustrating in the, in the current state of the game. So now um, we know how to tilt Owen. <laughs> yeah i mean but the thing or, is is like i'll get mad but i won't like i won't be opposed to you doing it it's just i'm not gonna like there's no take backs anymore like mm -hmm. we're, we're no longer gonna play the kind of game that like yeah of course no it, sure that's no big deal like we can air on of course you would have done that yeah pull it back no 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 this isn't the game we're playing anymore like mm -hmm. yeah you've you've, you've elected you to moved, play in a way that is that is you want to play to the absolute advantage advantage of the rule yeah by all means but what it means is no take backs no no mulligans on your arrows oh wait you have a shotgun sorry can i use a different weapon no i declared what weapon i have you can't change now sorry like <laughs> that, that's how you can be yeah it goes uh, from it goes from the gentleman's game to the hooligans game <laughs> at that right. point um to use it to use a famous uh a line made famous by the movie invictus right where uh i guess we could co-opt it for wargaming to say that 40k is a gentleman's game played by hooligans and infinity is a hooligans game played by gentlemen uh the gentleman can fall off sometimes when you rules like that are um Dan, say think he's gonna make that quote every episode I, I am yeah absolutely right. it's it's, <laughs> it's more i think it's at least it becomes more true every there, day right? I, I, it gets extra truer look man if matt damon said it it's quotable um, what about a hooligan playing a hooligans game matt damon <laughs> matt damon um so <laughs> do you have any story about that dan is there a time so far in infinity actually you know what why don't you just tell us one yeah. in wargaming why don't you just give us one yeah. where the stakes right in wargaming in general if you haven't encountered one in infinity for me, it's it's kind of like those when the dice just kind of no. There's been a few few times. I don't get I don't get tilted a lot because I don't get super competitive. And even when I'm trying to be competitive, I'm I'm totally okay with losing. Um, so I guess I'm not very competitive. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, I like winning. Uh, so I try to. But like sometimes when dice just go the wrong way, or like if I was at a tournament and I was like going super hard and like my like two games in one week it was like a, i get four dice hitting on 15 and you get one dice hitting on four. Oh, you rolled a four you crit me i'm down and i'll all of a sudden my entire plan for that side of the board is nullified and i can't do anything instead of killing half of your models cool wow. <laughs> 
And so it's like, in that game that I was playing, I was like, oh, okay, that happens. Good to know. But if I was like in a competitive environment or like trying to actually do something or more invest in the game, um, I can see how instances like that in other games where it's like, this shouldn't happen. Like there's such a low chance this happened. I got, I got 3d6. I'm boosting with a more machine. I'm spending my extra focus. I need to hit a five. I don't five on 2d6. I got two chances. It should be fine. I'll, I'll spend the extra thing. I get three dice. I three dice. I need to hit a five. You roll three dice. You roll a four. You're like, oh, that's okay. I have a backup. This is like statistically impossible. I'll roll 3d6 again with my other resource. I need just to hit a five. Hit a five and everything's okay. I roll a three. I roll, it's like one in 256 chance and plus another. It's like, oh, oh, well, what the heck am I supposed to do now? And all of a sudden you're so fixated on that instance of horrible luck that you forget about all the other things you can do. And then you have to bring yourself out of that. And then, okay, what are the other things I can do during my turn? But you're in, in reality, your mind's just still focused on that one or two things that happened that just should not have happened and will not happen maybe for the rest of your gaming career like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, and that's how, and that's how I feel tilted. And that's, that's how I have felt uh, it. Were you at that one tournament where I left for a half an hour in the middle of a match? I, no, I don't recall. <laughs> Playing War Machine. <laughs> and I had my Colossal trying to clear a single troll off a point, And he made nine consecutive tough rolls. And so I just left the clock on my turn and went to Tim Hortons and got a coffee and then like came back <laughs> and then continued to play the game. No explanation, just dead that, just, just See, that's even worse. Table. Yeah, That's even worse dice tilting. Because like when it's your dice, you're like, why do I roll so bad? But when it's the other person mm-hmm. rolling armor, you're like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll hit you with this AP Spitfire and you got like armor one. Or like you're like, you're whatever. And it's like, I rolled a 20. Hey, yeah, I roll a 20. I roll a 20. I roll a 20. You're like, well, okay. It's just way worse when the other person's rolling the dice that you have, like, you don't have any control of what you're rolling in actuality. But yeah. it feels like you do. You have some part of it. But when someone else is rolling and there's absolutely nothing to do with it, you're just like, oh. Nah, that happened to me last night uh, playing Jordan. I rolled into his heckler <laughs> with my Asura and I'm trinitied it and it, hit, it missed me and I hit it three times and it was. Damage 16 against BTS 3, and he, he 20, 20, 19 to saves on his BTS. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then continued to beat me for like four more orders. And I just stood there being like, what is, what is happening? Like, what is this? And what and so, should have been just like, well, because, and he was the heckler too, which I think almost made it worse because I was like, just imagining that he was just uploading memes and dick pics to her and just being like, <laughs> just being like middle fingers, like LOL, LOL, JK, JK, like exactly. Just, just basically embodying 4chan to her while she was trying to like implode his brain. Um, and yeah, and it was, and it, I, I, I had like a, it wasn't a mini tilt, but like I had to like go and go like, wait, 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 wait. I'm five orders in now. Like, I've gone too far. What else could I be doing right now with my life? And eventually he did die. But once I was five orders into killing one of the three hackers, I'd, I'd planned on killing with those five orders because she should have just rolled them all up. Um, although it's, it is significantly harder to kill a, a interventor hacker with almost anyone because they have firewall mods, and their BTS nine. So it was a good I should thing. also say, I did end up winning that War Machine game because I came back and I'm like, oh, I could just trample. 
<laughs> and the different model travels yeah. and then wins it and it's that's like that's it clear your head yeah exactly <laughs> clear your head sometimes you gotta go clear your head uh and that's exactly what i did is i, I got my fire team moving and my fire team basically set upon the middle of the table and climbed to the highest point and just started blowing everything away with marksmanship hmgs and multi-sniper rifles which was uh the better plan and so i just shifted gears so going back to last week, uh, we talked about Owen and I playing a game, and uh, he came in against my Brom and was like, I get two dice, hitting on... 28. 20. No, I had minus... Maybe not. No, you didn't do it the first time. I was no, like, I think right. I was 25. Yeah. And and I was like hitting on like 16s? Yep. And it was like, well, I get one die, and he gets two dice. But if I hit him, it's like an EM attack. And so I could isolate you and just it'd be bad news bears. And he's like, ah, I gotta go do it. And then it's I rolled well. And then all of a sudden that was his lieutenant. And so all of a sudden he was like two orders in and he already had a loss of lieutenant to Top prepare for on the next turn. He was like, Oh shoot, that guy didn't die, and I lost the lieutenant. Now I gotta play the rest of my turn. And I could see Owen, he didn't he didn't quite tilt, but I could see his his desire to play out the rest of the game was was very low and it was like uh but then it was my turn and then my dice also betrayed me in a much worse way and he was like oh okay i can still win this and he got all excited again and i was like oh you watch the emotional journey happen on ellen that's my favorite my favorite is when you watch all of the stages of regret remorse acceptance denial like when you watch it all it passes through in like five minutes it's amazing yeah yeah it does it does and so that was that was kind of like a an interesting experience of like if you tilt then you just start making stupid decisions so even if everything's staying the same is my dice still betraying me then yeah. you're not in a position to actually take advantage of it because yeah. you just threw the game away in your mind. That was one of those. Yeah. That was one of those prompts. Or did you p- take or pick a fight that had really low odds of success? And I feel like that can come from tilting, right? Like you, you, you abandon hope or something like that, or you get like this like futility feeling in you, and then you just all of a sudden don't. You 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 almost like stop mentally participating, and you start throwing your orders away a little bit because you're kind of having a tantrum. I've definitely done that. I've absolutely done that where I'm like, yeah, well, I just need fives. I'll just roll fives. You can roll fives. I'll roll fives. <laughs> just it's like, like you're straight up like I've, gambling I've addicted in a, a casino. Yeah, exactly. I've seen Ash tilt hard on dice. Specifically, one that stands out in my mind is uh, Achilles Bigly Armor versus <laughs> Random Grunt with Flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> and Achilles oh rolls God. up and shoots him three times. And he gets hit all three, and Achilles burns to death, and the grunt just walks away. <laughs> he made all of his saves. I was like, I was eleven point grunt furious. just takes all the shoot shots and kills a seventy five point lieutenant. Furious! I failed every armor set. I was like, he's got three wounds. Even if he's got three wounds, he won't die. Die. He'll be fine. He's <laughs> armor six. It's damage six. eleven or It'll whatever. Fourteen. I was yeah. like, I just need to roll a nine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I just couldn't roll a nine <laughs> three times. And I was just about like, and it was just supposed to be like this no brainer. Like I have a Yud bot right there. I'll just patch him up if he gets hurt. It'll be fine. And yeah. And, and then after that, his it. link team is exposed and I can cut through here. And then oh this random God. one little guy. And then not only that, he didn't die no. to add insult to injury. So the next guy to follow up got burned as well. Yeah. The emotional damage was strong that game. <laughs> emotional damage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I got emotionally damaged hard. I apologize um, for my bad accent. 
That's like open with the psychic attack. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> just, just did all the psychic damage. I I lost all of my sanity points basically in the first three orders of the game, and completely completely like dug into like long odds plays at that point. You almost feel like you need to make long odds plays to come back once you're back footed, and you definitely don't. I that's another trap, right? You start making risky plays because you feel like the only way to win is to now make like big payoff moves, and actually you're Sometimes better off you just. You're better off just picking bully fights still and 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 grinding away and 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 going for like the long game because there's still two turns to go. My personal tilt, um, I think that apart from like you know just bad moments like that, like everybody I think can have those, is the social contract of the game. Um, and I feel like Infinity relies on social contract more than almost any other war game I've ever played because. You need to have good communication with your opponent. You need to be able to put your finger anywhere on the table and say, hey, things that I know about, what can see here? What can see here? And you know, you get those kind of canny, cagey players who are like, well, nothing you know about can see there. And they'll answer every question that way, just to, even if they don't have a hidden plot because they're just playing mind games with you. But you need to be able to actively ask and listen and ask and receive information because the game doesn't work otherwise. Because before you declare an order, all of that stuff should be agreed upon. I should go, hey, so I can see this corner. Okay, cool. So now I'm going to spend my first order moving towards that. You make your move. I'm going to spend my second moving just to here so that I can't be seen. And when that when someone breaks that social contract and goes, oh, I forgot this guy's over here. I'm going to ARO at you. And you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> I, I literally asked you that question. What could see this point? Oh, well, I forgot about this guy. Uh, okay, cool. But then we've come too far like i asked it was asked and answered it's in the rule book that i i you need to be able to it's open information what can see a point and you didn't tell me something could see that point and now and, we've had to have you lost out on that arrow opportunity. and you lost out on that arrow opportunity i'm stuck here now with you able to shoot me and it feels disingenuous and it feels so, dishonest okay, so and it feels question. gross what happens then if you like stay in that spot and, and get into a firefight with someone else nothing that guy can but just that... lie to you that guy can just lie to you and say nothing can see that spot and have you walk walk into it and now you're stuck there and then his the next order you've revealed that that guy can see that spot and he can shoot you all day there's no proviso in the game for someone communicating badly and i think that's so and like it's on the player i guess is the answer okay if it was me then i would just be like that guy's just blind to that spot until you move again <laughs> like that's how i'd play it if i missed it my own mm -hmm. personal social contract with infinity would be to say Yep, I completely missed that. I did not tell you that when you asked me I could see that spot. And so until that model moves again to, to a different spot, and you're and, and if you back off that you weren't visible either, I can't see you. Right. Like I would just I would just play it that way because I as the player have opted to make that a blind spot now. There's definitely players that won't do that. <laughs> and there's definitely players who wanting the thrill of winning or seeing an opportunity will then capitalize on their own mistake and that enrages me <laughs> in fact the i think there's only two or three it's not been an infinity but it's been in a similar situation there's maybe two or three times in my life i've just walked away from a game table and shook hands and it's it's after two situations that are like that where a person has made a mistake or or communicated poorly and then is willing to like go to a ref or go to a, a an organizer to claim they can now capitalize on their own mistake or bad communication I broke my own models mid game over that before. <laughs> what? Do, do tell Owen. 
playing uh playing war machine again um in a tournament setting fairly competitive there is like a 60 or so person event and there's a guy who is in southern ontario who is known for being um a less than sportsmanship type person but i was like yeah we always have pretty good games like I just you just play really straight with them like you there's no there's no you're not gonna get any kind of take backs there's nothing like that everything has to be precise no worries um i had a habit in war machine of putting wings on all my models because i thought they were cool and uh i had my warcaster and i'm like hey um her wings like if i touch the button here like it doesn't quite fit so i'm gonna it's she's right like like a millimeter away from it um but she's base to base with it because i want to get the points no worries no worries i end my turn goes to him and he goes uh your warcaster is not base to base with that objective and i'm like excuse me he's like do we have to get a judge and i'm like yeah get the judge and as he waves the judge over i smash the wings off my model and put it base to base and i'm like i don't know what he's calling the judge about i'm base to base (laughs) wow That yeah. sounds awful. And then we wow. had a judge sit at our table for the rest of the game as I slowly won and he raged and then dropped his box of models on like the chair and mm-hmm. then left the event. Mm-hmm. He dropped every event I ever heard him play. And I think we're not going to drop any names tonight, <laughs> but I, I know exactly who you're talking about. He was <laughs> yeah. notorious for leaving after his second or third game. He Only never, I don't think he ever actually completed a tournament Only to my if knowledge. There are losses, which they usually, <laughs> which they usually were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so actually i thought of a time where i tilted hard okay uh, so i was playing war machine in southern ontario and uh <laughs> and i was i was playing like minions which are not the most competitive or weren't the most competitive at the time this was at the end of mark ii where like all the crazy tier lists um i think yeah anyways um and i remember i was like okay Oh, it is kind of like list chicken. So in, in War Machine, it's kind of like you get two lists, you get to look at the opponent's two lists, and then you get to blind pick your list that hopefully will counter their list, but also will be good for the scenario. And so I was looking, and list chicken is kind of like, okay, well, if I pick this list, and he picks list A, there's a very, very, very low chance that I win. And if I pick list B, then I at least I have a chance against both lists. It's not as good as if I point list A versus B, but it's it's at least it's not like considered almost an auto loss. I feel like and list so chickens guy... it would be a good thing for infinity. Just just as yes, a side note. Now that we're talking yes. to, now we're talking about war machine. <laughs> now this is a war machine podcast. I feel like list chicken would be an interesting thing to, to bring into infinity. That's that's worth a separate uh-huh. discussion. So anyway, go and on. Arguably the most competitive thing to do is never pick the uh the uh, if he picks this I'm screwed list. But you know I'm a gambler and this guy seemed overconfident. And uh, he considers himself a very good player, but also not the best to play against. Um, and so he uh, he's like, okay, I got my list ready. And I'm like, cool. Uh, I picked this list. And his eyes lit up like, oh, he wasn't supposed to pick that list because I would be stupid. And now I'm in a bad position because his list is better against my list. And I was like, sweet, I got this. This is going to be a fun game. And he's like, drops a dice. It goes, uh, and I'm like, so what list did you pick? He's like, I didn't pick a list. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And it just was like this, like, stun, like, what are you doing? Like, you gambled and you lost, obviously. And so I'm happy about that, but we still have to play this game because we're in a tournament setting and we're both like three and oh. 
And he was just like, uh, and he's like, well, I, I, I'm like, so what list do you have? And he was still being awkward about it. It was like, it's so obvious. And I was like, and I kept asking, what list do you have? He's like, well, well, I didn't pick yet. I'm like, pick the list you actually pick. And he's like, uh, he's like, well, I could play that. That would be kind of fun, right? And I'm like, I'm like, just pick the list that you picked. And he's like, and he picks the other one that would destroy me. And I was like, okay. And then I just had, I was zero invested in that game. I was like, well, it's, I don't know what to do against this kind of player. I, I debated just walking away, but I was like, no, I'll play the game out. And it went the way we thought it was going to be. And he was pulling shit throughout the game too, but I just didn't care enough to call him out on it because it wasn't going to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was tilted. I just, I didn't care about the game. Decisions were inconsequential. He broke the social and, contract. He completely yeah. broke the social contract from the very beginning was, of the game. Yeah, he was not honest. And you knew going into that game that you were not going to have an honest, fair, both people trying to play within the parameters of the social contract to 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 see who can outthink the other person. He he decided to go outside of it basically to win. At the same time, though, if I wouldn't have gotten tilted and actually buckled down to see what I could have done, I could have actually tried to win that game, right? Mm-hmm. And then I could have got like a positive out of the negative. Mm-hmm. Could have gone for revenge. Could have chosen violence instead of choosing. Yeah. <laughs> I should have punched him. <laughs> I, in the face. Yeah, I always choose. Always, yeah, always, always choose violence. Always choose always violence. Choose violence. Yeah. 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 You heard smash, it here first. Smash first. models and call judges. It's fine. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a reason why there's a high bar to become Owen's friend. <laughs> Owen and I met. <laughs> smashed a model in front of me. <laughs> Owen just told the story of how we met. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically the, the point is, is it's it's keeping in control of what you can control and what you can't and if someone breaks the social contract you have no control over that if your dice go bad or if someone else go dices go hot you have no control over that and so like keeping not tilted is about keeping a perspective of uh you know controlling what you can and not worrying about what you can mm-hmm. yeah and I, I, it's funny because so so we if we pull this back to playing beginners right and, and getting into infinity the first time or for the first time um it it can be very important to find a like-minded group of people to play with or people who at least play in a large enough group and, and i that sometimes sorts itself out if you find a small group of players of an individual game you tend to get more varied results of the type of gamer and the experience you're going to get because they tend to be in more of a fishbowl but if you can find a larger community, I think this is probably true of the, the guys you've bumped into in Calgary so far. It seems like there's at least like a good dozen people maybe playing. Um, you tend to get a lot more of a balanced experience because they're for, they're forced to be more balanced with each other because there's a larger group of them, right? So that social that sort of social contract has strengthened by virtue of them playing more games more often with more different people because you need to be able to go in and have a common expectation of some sort of generic concepts like how to treat corner case scenarios or um, the understanding of the mission packs or how the tables work in that store. You know what I mean? That gaming area, how, how the terrain works, what the commonly accepted, you know, way of playing certain things that are the moving pieces in any tabletop board game that aren't necessarily um, just like covered in the rules specifically, right? Like how many pieces of tape of trying to put down who sets up the terrain, how that's going to work for the game night, what missions we're going to play tonight, stuff like that. Uh, because you can't, you, if you can spot someone who's breaking the social contract, 
the best way to get them out of your gaming group is just don't play them. You you have choice in how you spend your free time. Don't spend it with people who aren't in it to have both sides enjoy the experience because ultimately that's the goal, I think, especially in Infinity. It's a game that is unforgiving, but you're in it together. I, I've found that I've taught more people how to play Infinity by asking them what their options are during their turn and thinking out loud with them and, and experiencing the game together than by, and even theorizing what they could do and what I might do in response, than by silently staring at them, waiting for them to make their move in their own head. Or trying to game to advantage the gotchas and the unknowns of the table. I, I have a much more enjoyable experience playing that way. And I think that that participation comes from being in a larger group. You, you become better at infinity by doing that because everything's on the table. And then it comes down to making good informed decisions and you won by virtue of your decisions, not by virtue of like the minute advantage of, you know, I hope he doesn't ask me what can see this corner, <laughs> right? Because that's always available to you. So if you do find yourself running into those people and you're getting frustrated with how they play, ask them tons of questions. And then when they don't give you the proper information, just don't back down. It's covered in the rule book. If they don't declare that, if they don't pick that thing to respond, well, then that's the way it is. And then explain to them what they're doing. Like, don't don't let them bu bully you around with, well, now I can just shoot you because you're in the open. Well, actually, you declared nothing can see that point. So technically right now, nothing can see that point. And in my next order, nothing can still see that point because that's what you decided. And telling me now that something can, is breaking the social contract. So in your active turn, you can move your guy and then he'll be able to see me or I might move my guy and I'll be able to see him. But right now, nobody can see him because... You opted to not have your ARO and, and and explain what you're doing right now is taking advantage of your poor playing. <laughs> so realize how that's affecting the game right now. Um, and, and don't let them kind of like slink away or feel like they're doing something. It's okay. I find that that puts a lot of force to downforce on, especially those particular negative play experiences happening more than once. I think, uh, I think something to be said about that is also like, because I've been on the other side of it where I've watched opponents of mine spiral out of control where like the dice betray them in an incredible way. Like you, it happens where you have those situations that are not player driven tilting that happens. Like it is the case that Achilles burns to death and it's, it's being the opponent that can like talk somebody through that shitty moment. Like if you're teaching the new guy how to play infinity and you're like, I'm not going to bring a kill you list. Like I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to spring a bunch of traps on you. I'm just going to play you and we're going to fight. And that'll be that. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my puzzles for you to try and learn through as opposed to, you did that right. with Dan in the beginning. You, you took a variety of different things to present them with different types yeah. of encounters as opposed to but just then taking like, what can list. happen is you can also just horrendously dice them during that. Like you're like, Hey, yeah, this is, this guy's on suppression and this is what this does. And he's like, okay, well, I've got my HMG. I'll shoot you. It's like, that's a good call. And then he shoots you with your HMG and then you just crit him twice. And it's like, oh, well, that's how crits work. And uh, and you can see them get frustrated. And it's like, it's okay though, because you have this guy and he can come up from behind. And then it's like, crit him too. And the game betrays your whole teaching <laughs> And experience. you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you, you see them start to tilt and it becomes a like, okay, well, here's other options that could have happened that could have changed this outcome. Maybe instead of coming out and shooting me, you placed a mine there. Maybe instead of trying to face-to-face, -face, you do a hacking program to get him to come out of suppression. 
like you start going through the here's opportunities that could come up that the next time you play right will be will prevent this sort of emotional moment from happening because it can't happen because there's no there's no back you're not you're not dying in the action right and like you don't always see it when you're the one who's running face first into it and so like the other side of the coin recognizing it and like i'm not saying hey instead of getting really frustrated and wasting all your orders trying to kill that guy why don't you do this other optimal play maybe you don't want to go that far but you can always remember it and so the next game what's at the end of the game when they're like oh my god if it didn't take me 10 orders to kill that sapper guy it's like well wait a second why didn't i just move the motorcycle at the beginning Mm -hmm. right and like and that's on you to recognize that and your opponent can be the kind of person that if they if you see that the other guy is like he just crit me 15 times and there's just nothing i could do about it it's like smoke grenades man yeah he'll never smoke you again like make him shoot you on his active turn and waste time and maybe he crits you every single time anyway but at least you push the buttons Mm-hmm. I, yeah i i very often will have my opponent hand me a list like if they get frustrated i'll be like well let me see your list again what did you have like what's some equipment you had and then just like talk i think the we talked about that in episode one some of our best like after game conversations are always like the going over each other's lists and being like oh did you think about this oh crap that guy's a hack device plus what about white noise you know what i mean and like going through and like playing the other side for a minute and be like, I was really worried if you would. And those are great teaching moments where you can like, you can go through and be like, I was terrified the whole game that you would do blah. And they go, really? And then that gives them some kind of agency the next time you guys play. And it takes some of the edge off of what otherwise would be a, like a very bad play experience where someone's like, I don't want to do this because I'm just going to lose. Or he, he just rolls me into the ground and it's like, I mean, yeah, sure, that happens. You're not wrong. I faced up Dan, and I lost every face-up roll, and then I won the game, and like <laughs> I started feeling shitty. But it's like, just because you, you're mad and you don't really want to play, you still play it out. You do all of the actions, and you try and remember what the optimal plays are. And sometimes the dice don't betray you, and you yeah. don't remember those ones because they were good. And you don't remember good things. You only remember the bad. Everyone, no one, no one posts like, positive reviews on the internet. Those are all made. I, by the, I those, are made those are made very, by the friends. Those are made by the friends and family of the people that own the business. <laughs> Nobody actually. Yeah, all, I, all the positive reviews have bad English. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I only remember. That's right. I only remember uh, Shinobu losing that two dice roll, and you vaguely remember the shotgun killing five guys with one order. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, hmm maybe maybe your opponent also ran into some bad times uh, or you maybe you could have put your opponent in some bad positions and so like that that's the other side in my opinion that's worth talking about or at least mentioning is like definitely as much as you get tilted everyone gets tilted but you can also try and mitigate people being tilted because it's it's in your interest to be able to continue to play games with people yeah and so like Absolutely, if you're the kind yeah. of person who's like fuck this i don't want to play i'm out like yeah well, you're not play the guy less that people want to play often. with because you yeah, won't exactly. get to play as much and like the people who would otherwise want to play with you may not purely because of that kind of attitude and so like you should try and like like or and you can and i'm not saying like of course you're gonna go you know what guys i've had enough i've just been dying all day i don't i don't want to do it again i'll see you next week let's re-rack and play again perfectly good attitude as well yeah walk away yeah and ask like honestly ask for advice like ask well what was the thing you were worried i was gonna do 
right? Like what was the thing that you were, you were sort of like thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't do this. Like you don't have to ask for list advice. You don't have to ask for, um, you know, write my list. I, I think that doesn't work. There's, there's a proponent of, um, of, um, of list writing. Uh, I think that, that, it, there's ways of making very good optimal lists, but I don't think anyone can pilot them, right? Just like you can, you can make a performance car, you can build a, you know, a Bugatti or a McLaren, but you put grandma, you know, or grandpa, like, you know, who's half blind and, you know, is one foot in the grave behind the wheel and they're not going to drive it the way a professional car, like a race car driver is going to drive it. Like, so I have a funny story about that, actually. Okay, um, yeah. So in War Machine, because this is the competitive game that I came from, uh, I mean, years ago now, but uh, uh, some friends were part of Team Canada. They're going to like the World Cup of War Machine, whatever it was called. Uh, and uh, he's like, okay, you play Signar. Here's this guys because everyone had to submit their lists like months before, and so they could all like look at people's lists and try to like, you know, what, how do I play against it, or what do I do, or what list do I bring against this? And he's like, play this list against me. So I play it, and he crushes me. And he's like, all right, I'm feeling good because I'm like, I don't know this list. I'm like, I'll just try to do this, and I'm like, well, okay, whatever. And then because it was someone else's list, and then he goes and plays that list and gets absolutely destroyed because he played because the guy played it differently, and he just gets smacked out. He was feeling so yeah. confident. And he just gets mutilated. And I felt bad for him. But at the same time, I was like, that's not my fault. You asked me to play someone else's list. And it, how am I supposed to know what his plan was for all these models or how to, you know, use these guys in conventional ways? It's like, how am I supposed to just get that out of the list? And it's like, you can't. And so, so that's why I list think, building doesn't work. I think Infinity also, um, when it comes down to like, lists and commonalities i think it doesn't actually favor well-known builds because the better people know a certain like build of thing the better they know how to counteract it the better they they include tools so like it's like smoke visor shooting or dogs you know what i mean or mine layers or there's there's a like or hacker nets or missile bots right the, the more sort of like aware people are of certain strategies the easier they see them coming and and i think there's a certain amount of like um uh, uh i would say incompatibility in particular with uh infinity with that mindset of like here's a really powerful list I think on conventional lists, like, like the ball dogs go to heaven. We just talked about Right. I think that having that, and because of like that two list format um, for infinity, so popular, I think having those unconventional lists is actually a really powerful tool. So I wouldn't be afraid to experiment. I think all great innovation and in infinity comes from people taking lists that aren't conventional and then using them really well by playing with them quite a bit and knowing how they work um and bucking the trends because i think the trends are what sort of like um i don't want to say they make the game stale but they certainly don't add to like the conversation they don't add anything new they don't add like a whole bunch of um sort of like uh new tactics or dimensions the way the game gets played so even as a new player i think it's it's not not only is it good to try different lists and not be afraid to just play with your collection and play with what you have I think it actually expands your skills. You tend to try out profiles and units you wouldn't use normally or make the best of what you have. I'm actually not like, 
not that I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the proxy culture in infinity, but I think restricting yourself to like the, the models you have and learning how to get the best out of them and see what their, even what their weaknesses are and where they're not good actually makes you a better infinity player. If you play with what you have to hand and you're limited in sort of like what you have available to you, you tend to get better at seeing the value of things. Um, whereas having like the perfect net list or the max AVA of something, it, it it's great. But again, it's, it's a skew. I'm not a big fan of like skewing into the most you can take or what the commonly accepted powerful thing is because then it's just well known and you don't tend to catch people off guard or make them think three-dimensionally. I don't know. I think some skews are are not well known. And those are the fun skews. Definitely. Like, right? But, but it's like when it's a common skew. Yeah, it was but, like five tig- but five tigers is a skew that nobody yeah. knows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, that's what I'm talking about. Is when, you, when, when something's good or it's too good for its points, you know, two, two repeater bots. It's two orders for 14 points. So, yes. <laughs> right? Like, there's... There's certain things where you just take the max AVA of them and you start your list there because it's good. It used to be Gazzies, right? Only started with 20 points of Gazzies in every hacky slam list that he ever he ever made because they were great. There was literally no reason not to take them. They disrupted so I, everything about the game. And Dan, you're a lucky man for having never had to play Infinity when they were a thing. <laughs> uh, so I have taken the missile bot exactly one time in which I got completely dismayed. I was all excited. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, spotlight a bunch of people and then, like, you know, shoot a... No, I took it twice, actually. And both times, it was like, I played a lot of, against a lot of missile bots, and this is how you completely deny the missile bot and shut it down. I'm like, oh, I'm not having fun with this missile bot. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And then it happened again, and I was like, no more missile bot. You're just going off into the, you know, the bin, and you'll stay there until I figure out this game more, and then maybe we'll try mm-hmm. you out again. So I think the trick, kinda... the trick there is is reactive spotlighting. You you sleep on the missile bot and you let them spotlight themselves. You don't waste orders on it. Is you you let them you put out your hacking net instead, then let them come to you, and then you take advantage of the targets of opportunity. My my because experience with the missile bot is if you if you try and make it work during your active turn, they just it, it doesn't happen. You you force them to bring them to you, and they bring their own targets to you usually because they bring the hitting pieces into your hacking net. So I tried to do that, and then they just assassinated my missile bot, and I didn't defend it well enough because <laughs> that's okay, fair, yeah. And an impersonation one, and jumping around and grenading, and <laughs> right, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I was like, I don't. Okay, well, if I, if I, yeah. So, anyways, but it's just kind of like one of those things where missile bots are common enough and are good enough that everyone experienced playing is like, okay, I can deal with it, and I go. I'm going to have fun. No, I got shut down. Oh, <laughs> I shot exactly one missile with my missile bot. And then the guy dodged into close to my dead bug guy that was lying on the ground bleeding out. And then I couldn't shoot it anymore because stupid rules don't allow me to kill my own players. <laughs> well, good, good rule of thumb with infinity is don't make up your mind about something until you've played it at least like five no, of times. Course. I'll, right? I'll like, I, it, yeah. I, I think there's a, I think there's a real power in, um experiencing things more than once in infinity because it it really does come down to um things work an average amount of times right there's 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 a lot of things that don't work once that may work the next three times and then never work again it's (laughs) it's that kind of game it's swingy enough and it's all over the place enough 
um, just in terms of like what you're playing for and who you're playing against and what their strengths are and what your strengths are. Um, I don't tend to judge the individual components of an army list. And I think even when you're getting started, it's worth sticking with like, don't change more than one model in your list, like one to two models to make it fit maybe between games. You know, like like settle on a core chunk of your list and just play it until you you've, you're comfortable with it. Ash, it, you're not you're not my dad. I'm gonna do whatever. I, I, I know, I know. I'm just trying to say, like it it too much oscillation. I think in Infinity, when you're first starting off, can make you feel lost. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's perfectly okay to pick a, a list that you're comfortable with because you know what it does. And the, the better you know what the pieces are, the more agency you feel like you have and the more franchise you feel like you have, the more you're going to avoid those tilts, the more you're going to avoid those negative, those NPEs, those negative play experiences. Because even if you're losing for your first 10 games, you at least feel like you made informed decisions and those decisions mattered to the outcome. I think the worst you can possibly feel in Infinity is is like you didn't have any control over what happened in the game and that happens a lot to lots of people and it's totally common and it's totally okay but it's also not fun and it can kick people out of the game right it can it can literally drive people away from the game um and there isn't like a right or wrong way to play infinity when you're first starting off and all of these things we talked about are completely common um, I, I have another prompt. Did you feel like you didn't have the tools to complete the mission objectives? This was the one you brought up, Dan. Is do you have a story about that? Like where you just you went into a mission and your list just didn't have what you felt like it needed to get it done? Yeah. So for one of those, uh, sometimes like if you don't have any like multi-spectre visor and the other person brings a bunch of smoke, you kind of just have to sit there and take it real hard. And so I feel like I always need to bring some level of multi-spectre visor, if, whether it's even just a one or whatever, take advantage of it. Because when you don't have it and they just walk all over you, it just feels like, oh, there's nothing I can do. I just have to sit here and take it because they can smoke and they have like, or if I don't, I don't have any melee characters, right? Because I look at them saying, you know, melee sucks in infinity. And then I'm slowly learning that it does have its place. Um, it's risky. It's always super risky unless you're like, yeah. like uh, but it's just like you can shut down models that I didn't say it open. sucked. I said that <laughs> there's very niche cases for infinity. My yeah. interpretation of what you said to me was that it sucked. And I was like, ah, oh, I just so, will never bring melee models. So the and people then, so the people accurate. listening, the people listening, the, the problem with melee and infinity, it's funny because last episode actually Owen was coming up with a gimmick, which we discovered does work um for trying to to change this is that melee is one of the only times in infinity that no matter how almost how good your piece is you're still just rolling one dice against one dice and that's when infinity is at its like most chaotic and swingy right with the 20-sided die even if you're adding mods and that's actually why most dedicated cc pieces have a, a stat above 20 because it's it's designed to, in, to influence the swinginess of that dice by actually adding overall to your dice roll you're trying to make that dice roll slightly more consistent or at least raise the bottom, right? Um, but it's when it's its most chaotic. And so Owen was looking for ways to get that extra burst into melee um, with his uh, his little, what's it, how about slave drone? Um, Calban slave drone. Yeah, to try and increase that. So it's, I, I would say the word I would use, Dan, is risky. 
Melee yeah, yeah. is one of the riskiest situations you can put yourself in, and even your best melee piece can just get like knifed by a fusilier. <laughs> like, it can literally just happen. Like, sure, I, sure. you walk in and roll that one, you know, your faction logo shows up, and that's like that's good in a gunfight, but bad in a melee fight. And then a fusilier rolls something and, and just stabs your super melee, stabs Shinobu in the neck with a, a sharpened fork, and uh, your 40 point CC piece just gets ganked by a 10 point line infantry. Which is not no. the best. Have you ever, did you feel like that uh, maybe oh with your JSA? Because the JSA we were talking about that uh, after your first couple games with them, how they are very niche, right? They have some like niche kit and niche like fire teams and niche sort of like units. Was that something that you felt maybe a little bit that their their gimmick is sort of like very narrowly defined? Yeah, I, I don't know. I found that like they have a really flat profile across the faction. Like, uh, all their heavy infantry is, like, BS-13, Arm-3, CC-22, Martial Arts-2 or 3. Mm-hmm. So, like, whether it's they're, a Tango they're or turtles. a Domaru or a Daiokai or, like, pick your, pick your plate. Like, and you can bring interesting, like, combinations of them. And, like, there are, there are definitely, like, cool combos that you could do. Um, they feel very, like there's this way and then that way um but at the same time they also have like the ability to bring wild skews things like ninjas and oniwabans and motorcycles and things that are like most games you play you're going to play against 15 25 millimeter bases sometimes one of those bases will be 40 mil and even rarer one of them will be a 55 mil and then you can show up with like five 55 mils and like a wave of all kinds of weird stuff with with different dish rules or the ability to deploy in strange ways and stuff like that but like Mm -hmm. yeah it has felt very much like like it if there is a faction that i remember when they first came into being as a standalone faction um and they they were the ones that first started to bring in the mixed link teams yep. and the ability yeah, I was to playing like, them back in 2018 to like core and Harris and I yeah. see them now as like they're the prototype for what all of the other factions have become now mm-hmm. because like the things that I'm seeing as I'm playing and watching the other factions I play against with the exception of Toha because they play their own version of this um, it is that now everywhere. It is like to the degree that they've made now rules for mixed and pure link teams. I know it's not called pure, but I'm calling it anyway. <laughs> composition. Um, yeah, composition most link teams. So like they've gone so far in the direction that the that the JSA kind of spearheaded that now other factions just do that, but they do it plus one. Mm-hmm. Oh, they do it. They do it from a hyper power faction where there's just more profile availability, where there's just more right. units in the in the in the mix and stuff. So it's like yeah, yeah you can bring a really dynamic group of. Uh, of guys in JSA and and you can play the game that that everyone's playing right now. Um but you got to work a little bit more for it. And mm-hmm. you also have some like weird profiles that kind of if you want to play that way don't really have a place um unless you like really make them have a place or you lean into it in which case you're off doing your own little thing, which which I think they're really fun for in that regard. Like I mm-hmm. love the motorcycles. I really do. I like that you can dismount and still be mimetism. So you have these little armor two four four mimetism now having cover hackers or spitfires or whatever running around. Um and so like I I I really enjoy that, but they definitely come off as like 
hey, we were the first try at this and it now we've be, refined it. Yeah, it, it can be hard, I think, to play the mission objectives too with your um, JSA because certain things like decapitation or anytime you have an open lieutenant and they can't turn into a profile, it just, it literally just like removes Shinobu. Right. So if you've got all, if you like playing Shinobu or you, you go to, you know, game night and the mission for that's this, you go to an event and this is in the mission pack, and you didn't really think about that. All of a sudden, Shinobu just can't hit and deploy and she's always in the table. She can't go into a marker state, I mean, like or, or a key up. Her as your. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it, but if you're having a bad time and you feel like you can't do the mission objectives because of that, like your list may be very hampered for lieutenant options. You know what I mean? Or, hampered for like i found i had a hard time um picking a key up uh last night because they can't be a rem and they can't be a regular and like half of my army's rems and they can never go into a marker state so the asura can't do it because i can't cyber mask all of a sudden right uh my naga can be one i guess my shuker can be one and then the rest of my army is a remote i parvati could be one um but then everyone else is a remote and it's like uh <laughs> I've got three. You, I have three models that can be key ops now. All of a sudden, and half of them want to be off doing stuff for gunfighting, and I just want you to sleep on a building for the whole game. Um, so it, it, like, if it, if it could have been a regular, my my war court would have just been it and would have like towed into one of the zones and then just slept on his face for the entire game. So I feel like the the completing the mission objectives question is if you feel like you couldn't do it, sometimes it's because maybe you've taken a list or you've gotten comfortable with something that is incompatible with what you're trying to play right and and it can be very like again with that netlist thing to that idea of like here's the best list that can all often get pushed back against by the sort of dynamism of missions and in infinity right where all of a sudden you have to pick a living not rem not irregular model to be this special person in a mission if that mission's in the mission pack and that's really important um and so you 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 have this thing where you're like oh maybe I should try a different lieutenant or maybe I should have my list to have a different lieutenant in it for exactly this reason. And I think those questions are useful to ask yourself because you can find you that other previous question. You left points on the table because you didn't have a good model to fulfill X or Y role, or even your faction um, might have limited availability of choices for you to take models that are good in that role. Right. My sir does not care about being, <laughs> being um, the decapitation target. Uh, she's she might die anyway, but she's and she's and everyone knows she's a lieutenant after she spends her two lieutenant hours walking around exploding people's brains. Um, but but some people don't want to be revealed and be on the table and have a lieutenant replaced next to them because you're gonna know exactly which of those camel markers are Shinobu all of a sudden, and she can't hit in a boy. So I I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a uh, I think a mix even of what you and Dan said, where Dan's like, I ran into armies I hadn't played against before and felt like I did not have the equipment to deal with them because they were throwing grenades in every direction. And we were playing a spaceman game all of a sudden that was full of werewolves. <laughs> or like so many werewolves. Murder aliens. Yeah, so many werewolves and murder aliens. I don't know what's going on here. Um, and it can also be your faction might be very like drilled down. Like I'd say all the N2A factions probably struggle with this because they're like special character soup with like a mixture of code one box shenanigans mixed in. If you just took like a bunch of special characters and mercenaries and mixed them with like the two factions in every code one box, you basically have the N2A factions. Like white banners, just operation Caldstrom plus mercenaries. So you got like the Kane solutions, Ninja, you've got some of the outrage uh, characters like now. I give maybe Drew's in it too. I can't remember. Maybe um, Emily Handelman's in it. Uh, 
and you're like you're kind of like oh everyone's a character i don't have a lot of great lieutenant options because it's like all of these mercenary characters like john hawkwood is my like my mercenary characters i can take and you don't have a lot of choices and i feel like jsa kind of fits in that camp too where because you're so sort of like like well defined as a faction of like these are the profiles and these are what we have you can often find yourself having not not no tools to like complete a mission objective but very often not the tool you wish you had where you're playing another faction or they might feel suboptimal compared to other factions tools or maybe it's just that kaisetsu have worse stats than war cores they do kaisetsu <laughs> are for three I mean, times the points they're supposed to be they're supposed to be like working at lopan's noodle hut during the day and fighting for the freedom of the japanese succession during the night man this is they're just regular joes this is the secessionist army they're not it's like it's the background for some of the units in Infinity should they don't necessarily visually match up with like I didn't realize that intruders are supposed to be like um their labor uh advocates. So when people try and like break up the unions and the nomad ships, these guys go in with like a duffel bag full of guns and then put on their like uh joker mask and assassinate the uh nomad official who's trying to like break a deal with the unions like there's like a bunch of like background for some of the nomad characters where i was like this is crazy like the mobile brigada are supposed to be wearing like patchwork armor like it's all junk con like cobbled together like it shouldn't be uniform in any way um stuff like that like the it was funny reading the rpg books and the background for all of these unit types and being like oh this doesn't really look like how it's described here like i, I want that guy in the joker mask with the with the, the the assault rifle the intruder breaking in and undercover to go kill a whole bunch of like um anti-labor advocates or whatever it is so you had a couple in here dan that you added in and we'll finish through them and then wrap it up so the first one you had is uh you do not have a backup plan or you relied on one or two roles tell me what you mean by that so that's kind of like uh like i have my tag that i bring that's a bill out of point and then he does his thing but then uh someone with a high cc comes in and engages him and i'm like well how do i do what do i do <laughs> it's kind of like uh and then it's like so it's like well if i brought a cc guy then i can like coordinate order the cc guy in and i can get multiple dice against that guy and then have a pretty good chance of getting him off the tag so the tag can go do things uh just because my tag isn't good at melee not nearly as good as you know someone else that has a higher than 20 kind of cc and martial art um or or maybe i brought some elite guys but i didn't bring an engineer or a medic to bring them back up so when they go down there's no backup plan it's oh the dice went didn't go my way my list kind of fell apart uh it's things like that of like when i'm playing did i have something did i have some kind of redundancy so i could play around when when shit hits the fan and uh, i find that a lot of the time i don't and I'm, and when things go horribly wrong, which they always do, I don't have any. I, I my I, late game, I just have a bunch of crappers in the back, and they just all get slaughtered by templates, and uh, I lose the game. It's like, but I fall off hard, is what I'm trying to say as as the game goes on. Turn three is is rough for me typically. Right. It's funny how that late game you don't quite have the orders to do all the things you want to do. That's where my like cycle of like breaking down the game usually starts. That's where I start like analyzing turns one and two and being like, why am I in this situation? 
Why do I why do I only have one? Like if I need to walk all the way over here and push this console to win the game, can I get there in the orders I have? And then I'm doing it in my final short scale of the game. Like, why am I in this place? Yeah. I can think of like a hundred games on it I've played where it's like, well, and we're like literally like eyeballing it in like eight inch segments, being like, ah, see the console's there and I'm here. It's gonna be about four orders to get there. I'm gonna have one chance. This is it. This is no one can see me. All right, here we go. And then it's just literally lone somebody paramedic gets up from out of deployments on respawn for the entire game, watching for a Van Zant that never arrives and has to haul his carcass across the board because he's the only specialist left to make like a dice roll. And then it all comes down to that final dice roll. And there is something fun about that, but then if it doesn't work, you're just like instantly like oh, i wasted an order doing this i could have coordinated this order and move this guy up already like what am i doing? and you're like you, you're you're already monday morning quarterbacking it in the back of your head and but and for me it's more of like i don't even have that guy that's specialist that's alive at the end or i don't have those that that awful hail mary path. i don't even have that it's just right kinda, oh i didn't bring enough you specialist. didn't have that backup plan yeah yeah yeah, yeah so you're stuck on that yeah I didn't bring a specialist. I clumped up too much in this corner. I didn't have, you know, I I covered defense really, really well on this side, but I ignored defense on that side because that was my super offensive team. And then they attacked that side, obviously. And then I was like, oh, how do I get out of this? All my minds and all my other stuff are over here. And my templates are over here. And so I can't get it out. So it's like, oh, shoot. And it's just kind of like it. So I had a really bad time of like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna do awesome, and then he just does absolutely nothing for the rest of the game. And half my list is in this Harris or core that's just like just gets shut down by one CC monster that jumps in to me, and I'm like, I can't. It takes me like th the full three turns to get rid of him, and it's like, right. yeah, I got rid of him, but now half my list didn't do anything, and half my orders were spent just dicking around instead of having the proper defense. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of like I didn't have a proper there there weren't contingencies and it, part of it is just like knowing what's available to come attack you i mean no, it's I hard don't. enough it's hard enough when you start playing infinity dan to have a plan a right yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you're yeah, now yeah. just realizing that like only having a plan a is in itself a weakness and you need to have a plan b usually for exactly. almost everything exactly yeah and i think that's that's a that's an incredible point that's that's a really important point that like when when plan a doesn't work out you need to have a plan b even if it's not a good plan at least it has to be there because that feeling of futility after you've lost plan a and there's no other way to complete the objective sucks and that can lead to those really strong emotional tilts or those like feelings of futility or just like wanting to throw up your hands and quit and being like that there's no road to victory now i'm all done <laughs> and right. so like my one harris comes up my one guy with the multi-spectral visor and the heavy machine gun comes up he crits on a three, I get shot down, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, let's move it to the other side of the board. But meanwhile, my Harris was moving through my other defensive stuff, and so now six models are all clumped up, doing nothing. And then I was like, well, I need to spread out and create a defensive net instead of, oh, I'm sad about that, let's try to be offensive over here and spend all my orders. And then all of a sudden it's their turn, they're like, oh, I'm going to run forward and shotgun you, go boom, 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 and all of a sudden six of my models get hit at one time, and I'm like, oh, I could have prevented that. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like you don't you mm -hmm. don't realize that all because things went horrible don't doesn't mean you still have to set up a defense yeah and it feels almost like an emotional setback too when you feel like you've just gotten like that first like level of competency and then you have like that like oh, i didn't bring a backup plan 
I still suck at this. Like you almost feel like well, you've let yourself down. I've definitely been through that where I've like kind of unlocked like the first level knowledge of like a new faction that I'm playing with, but I haven't seen all the angles yet. And then I miss something and I go to the next game and like, oh, I wish I'd taken this instead. Oh God, right. I have instant regret. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at deployment looking at all the things I should have taken thinking like, oh man, Ash, you idiot. <laughs> I got through that, all those stages of like remorse, basically. I feel um, like there's like greedy list building where like, if I don't mm, encounter that, then I don't need this guy. I can bring this guy who's cool and I can do things with. And then you play yeah. and you're like, I should have brought the other guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy slept on a building the whole game and you're like, oh man, I wish I'd had this other guy. I wish I wish this 70 point guy was two 30 point guys is usually my where my brain goes to. Yeah. So what's the other one? The last one is, did you forget to set up a defense? Can I rephrase that? Okay. Sure. I see you just don't. Um, I would like to rephrase that too. Did I have a plan for going first and a plan for going second? Because I feel uh, like, yeah. I feel like that's the question I asked myself in regards to the defense thing is it, that dice roll. If you, if you have a plan for what you're going to do, if you go first, you don't have a plan where you, if you go second you lose that dice roll and your opponent chooses to go first you can feel backfooted right from the very beginning of the game oh yeah and and i i have definitely experienced times where i spend so long like pining for like and not even like reassessing my deployment i'm like well this is where i'm gonna deploy because this is where i want to be for when i get my first active turn and not actually take the time to go, hang on, I'm going second. I'm never getting a first turn now. Like the best, most positive state in infinity is uh, my opponent like goes and removes a bunch of my orders and now has the power position because he's basically gotten to remove the pieces first. He has the order advantage. I no longer have all my components and all my tools. So I have to accept that's going to happen. I need to completely change my outlook on the game to try and minimize how much of that's about to happen over the course of this first turn. Um, whenever I make that mistake of being like, I'll just do my first turn layout and hope for the best. <laughs> it almost never works out for me. I almost instantly regret it and something bad happens and I've either what stood you, up in the uh, wrong place or gone prone in the wrong place. Sorry. Sorry. I was just saying, what if you have a really powerful first turn list and you just have not yet lost the role and have gotten to go first every time. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be a rude to, awakening. To the point where you continue to win the rolls, and the person on the table over says, "Why don't you go second and see what you'll do?" And you go, "No, I want to win." I think you're. I think you're do it tilt. <laughs> I think that's what. That's all I can say is you're do it tilt, because it's gonna happen. It's gonna like it's gonna it's gonna come around that you don't get to go I'll first. Never know what that'll look like. And then, <laughs> and then every day's a sunny day for Owen, and he's yeah. never lost. And it's always been the dice or the fact that he didn't get to go first. I was the guy saying, "Why don't you just go second and see what happens?" And he's like, "No, I don't. I don't want to do that, Dan, because this list doesn't go second. This yeah. list just shits werewolves all over you." Until no, you no, it's no, that was. This is a double Magarita regards. No, even better. Okay. This list just walks two giant unstoppable tanks and mines the entire table. Mine. I wasn't even playing against them. I was like standing beside them about to play another game. And I'm like, you just went first. This will be the third time in a row. And you Mm -hmm. crushed them to the point where it wasn't even a game back. 
why don't you go second and see what happens? No, and he just crushes the third guy. <laughs> I told I told Jordan that story actually. I told Jordan the story about how how Owens come to Calgary like an agent of chaos and has decided that he's just gonna 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 just whiplash everybody. So every week they come ready for a Magulus, he brings the JSA, and then the week after that he bring they bring the Magulus, then he brings the Shazvasti, and no one knows what to expect. Then, then the Avatar shows he, up. Yeah, so the Avatar shows up. <laughs> I refuse to be defined by any given play style, but. I will skew. I will always skew. <laughs> so, so with going back to the defense thing, um, yeah, second turn definitely because you're just you're all defense right from the get go when your opponent's at their strongest because they can figure everything they want and they know they're going to go first and so they can employ accordingly and so like yeah that's super important. But I think it goes further than that where it's like say I got to go first and I get to go in, but they set up a good defense and I wasn't as effective as I maybe wanted to be. Mm. then when do I call it quit and backpedal a little bit so then they have an equally hard time against me instead of just doing enough damage as much damage as I can and then getting ripped apart on the back foot because I hit their wall and then I didn't put up a wall myself and then they got to walk through me that is that is my 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 most common new infinity player advice is divide your order pool in half at the start of your every turn Spend the first half trying to figure out what what you need to want to get done this turn, and then spend the second half preparing for me, right? Being where you want to be when I take my active turn. And you don't have to spend them equally, but if you if you divide in half at the beginning and start to think about that stuff when you're first going, you don't blow through eight orders and then have two orders left to try and reposition your entire army to somewhere that isn't completely in the wind. You know what I mean? Standing in the open or standing over the last dead body they just killed or whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's super important. It's happened twice against Owen now where I've got, I've killed his lieutenant on turn one and then he's absolutely crushed me. (laughs) Where, because it was like to kill his lieutenant, I had to overreach a little bit. And then with command points, you can make irregular orders, regular orders, and just a few of them to get that one key model in the right place because I didn't spend enough orders to develop the board and my guys are too clumped. Then, then I get white and I get I lose way too many orders and way too many guys because I was trying to be too offensive. Mm-hmm. And it's it is uh and I don't know if I've learned that lesson yet because you know <laughs> I appreciate well, that your point of reference is the veteran war ca- war machine players to try and go for the caster kill at the beginning of every yeah. game. I don't even realize just, I'm doing just it, but to like, instinctively I'm... <laughs> immediately try and kill the lieutenant. I mean, it seems good to put him in loss of lieutenant turn two, right? Like, top I mean, of one, yes, top of one. Yeah, yeah. well, it's going into turn two, they have lost the lieutenant, right? No, no. Okay, so uh, oh yeah, sorry, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, the other one. You top of one loss of enemy in the in the all the oh, that is to true. heaven. That is true. You went first and Turn killed one. my lieutenant. You killed Verona. killed Verona top of one. Yeah. And then yeah. and and then I died a horrible death because because I was focused on killing, I guess, inefficient things. And now I know, right? Instead of just maybe I just go kill that lieutenant and then run back and don't try to kill the other things as much, right? Well, I mean, I but then. I can give feedback, like, and this is this is the idea of like how do you try and like offset that tilt? Feedback I have for that game is um you don't know my list, but the reality is it's unlikely I'm gonna try and react to that sensor bot, even if you ran right into the middle of those camel markers. Um 
maybe one of them is going to reveal itself, but you can afford to lose that robot to reveal like seven or eight camos because then the Zeta can just kill them all. And even if he can't kill them all, he can put himself in a position that he's suppressing for when they start coming out that he's just going to shoot them all to death. Right. So I should have been way more aggressive with the sensor bots and be like, okay, go ahead and shoot me because if you shoot me, you're dead. Yeah, and much less aggressive. And then even if I shoot you, you just go, I'm censoring anyway. I'll take the bullet. Right. I'll pass my sensor check. And then the Zeta comes up quietly from behind and suppresses, and the TR bot goes the other way. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, it's true. You lost orders and didn't really kill any of my stuff. But now my turn begins, and I'm like, uh-oh. Like, this guy stands up and does an unopposed smoke grenade to cover that guy over there and dies. And now I have a smoke grenade. Okay, I can move a few steps. And, like, I have to really fight to get even a few inches forward kind of thing. It's funny because Owen's, Owen's even explaining one of those whole, like, you're you're doing the active thing of censoring the robots and then the reactive thing of setting up the Zeta in such a place where now these guys are all revealed. If they come around the corner, they're all just going to get blown away by X or Y, right? Like, it's that it's that mindset of sometimes like, I don't have to kill during my turn, but I need right. to do stuff and then I need to be ready for when he's doing stuff. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like, I think it could be summarized in how big of a problem can you throw on your opponent's lap? Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. yeah how big is the puzzle? Going, right. If you're going second and, okay, you got to set up your defense. But if, but then during your turn, like throwing a CC monster into base contact with my Zeta, I'm like, how do I get rid of that? And if you position him in a, on the side of the Zeta where I can't get a good angle to shoot at him or whatever, if he's on like a high building, then I'm like, okay, well, now that that's, if I try to hit him with my Zeta, I might die. But you don't even have to kill the Zeta. You just sit there. And that's what Owen's done to me multiple times. Where I'm <laughs> like, dang it. I'm like, I'm activating Zeta to try to hit you. Oh, I lost two of my hit points. I'm no longer going to activate this. Zeta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot into my own Zeta to try and get these things I'm off killing me. myself using my own orders. You're killing my Zeta for free using yeah. my orders. That's yeah. no fun. But then all of yeah. a sudden I've lost like a 70, 80 point or maybe even higher if it's another tag. And so it's kind of like being in that spot where if I bring a Zeta, maybe I bring a CC monster of my own. And so then if he runs into me, he has to spend orders to kill me or try to, which is all, always dicey. Or if not, then my CC guy can run up and with a coordinated order, I can get multiple dice. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Yeah. It's going to depend on the table and of course, pieces of course, you have available. Of course. Like it's, but the, the general principle is, are you applying pressure uh, that that has to be solved during their next active turn, right? Are you right. are you creating a scenario that applies pressure? And I think that's that's kind of the final note here is that is that all of these questions come down to you, you felt you felt something didn't go right at the end of a game of infinity, and can you walk back to your actions where that got kicked off and try and identify it? And just see what your other options were. And and that's really, I think, where you start to enjoy Infinity. When you can see the puzzle. Like, I've had some of my best games of Infinity of all time, I think, when I'm really communicating well with my opponent. And we're discussing the puzzle that's being laid out. As it's being laid out, I'm watching the pitchers go out in the fast pandas. I'm watching the dogs and the tigers go and hold corners. I'm watching all these little like reactive pieces get laid out during the active turn. 
And we're talking openly about like, well, it's getting real hard to get in the zone now. You got this and this you can do. Maybe you can try that. I don't know if you've got something hidden over here. Maybe you'll censor these guys. But this is the best I can do. This is the defense I'm setting up. And you go, and you feel that pressure all of a sudden. You feel that pressure. And then because you talk about it out loud and you agree upon it with your opponent, it's all in the open, the pressure comes off. Because you've you've it's a known issue and you're going into it with the tools that you've you know, kind of like brought and you agree upon to try and solve it. And so if it doesn't go right, if it doesn't go your way, then you try again next term and you keep going and you just keep pushing forward, but you're not, you don't feel like you've lost agency. And I think that's where this becomes important because every person is going to have a different and unique experience when they first start playing infinity. And even later on, everybody still tilts. I still tilt. Owen still tilts. Dan, you're going to tilt forever nope, at some point, never. even though you tell me you're not going to tilt. Everyone's going to do it. Everyone's going to have an experience that they don't, something like, didn't uh, feel right. Like you drive up with your friend to some some big event at a, at a, at a, for a different location and you make jokes about how you're going to play on the finals table all the time. And then you get there and you are going to play. And then Aguilo kills nine people on the top of one and just ends the game immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was great it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it happens and that's i think i know i'm well aware um dan wasn't aware dan wasn't aware no yeah we got to the top table was the two of us on top table and i got guiloed hard um and that's and that's i think i think that's you can still enjoy that game when that happens um and the more you practice asking yourself those questions and trying to trace back where it didn't feel right or where it felt off or why you're frustrated. That's how you get good at being bad in infinity. And I think that's what makes infinity so, so enjoyable for me is that you can take bad results and understanding them becomes half of enjoying the game. And that's, and I, that's a really like uh, that's a really um, unique experience and a unique part of infinity. This is almost no time where I can't walk back the game to a part I didn't enjoy that wasn't about a choice either that me or my opponent made. Look, I just got a question. Tigers. I just got a question for you, Ash. In that game against someone, have you have you tried being good at the game? I tried getting good. Yeah, I did. I did try getting good, and then <laughs> and then and then his eight, solution eight, having Tigers and Aguilo ran yeah. over my guys. He had never played against Tigers because they hadn't actually been released yet, and I all, just had a bunch of shredders. And I'm like, yeah. here it comes. <laughs> yeah, Owen. So, so the Tiger profile came out, and there was a group chat with Owen, me, and Spud, being like, "What in the fuck is this?" <laughs> and then Owen's like, "I don't know, but I got eight shredders that I'm cutting up right now to put on any basis. We're gonna try it out." And I was like, "Okay." Um, and and no one knew what to do with it. It no was it was marginally effective. <laughs> it was uh, it was quite good. Um, and for four, they were basically the combined version of Gazis at the end of N three. Uh, they just won in every army, and they ran forward, and they always made back their forty points, no matter what you did with them, for the most part. So that kind of wraps it up. I think we are in a good spot. We had a good talk about. Uh, getting good at being bad at infinity. I think being bad at infinity, it happens every time you pick up a new faction. Um, it happens in the beginning to everybody. It's nothing to feel bad about. And it is a, it's so unlike other miniature war games out there where there is a linear path to victory in almost every other miniature war game that exists right now. 
which typically involves standing in a circle longer than anyone else. <laughs> like <laughs> always remember stand... <laughs> you won because you're a better player. They won because they rolled better. That's right. <laughs> that's Owen's that's that's Owen's mental health advice for miniature war games. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's unique because it the what you play for and what you play with and what you're playing against shifts in infinity more than in almost any other miniature war game and the linear path to victory of being able to stand longer than someone else while removing pieces at a faster rate in circles is not the the path to victory so it can be very alien coming from other popular war games to infinity um, and it's a very different, unique experience. And I think it was worth having this discussion because I think being bad at infinity before you're good at infinity or just trying to always be bad, <laughs> like it's okay to just always be bad at infinity. Um, as long as you can ask yourself those questions and trace it back to something that you can control, you'll enjoy the game. Uh, it can be, it, you can never win a game of infinity, but still enjoy the process. Uh, and I think that is a really important life skill and i think getting good at infinity actually makes you better at other miniature war games because if you can be good at something that's this sort of uncompromising then it makes the other ones easier to absorb um and easily more easily sort of like to emotionally manage and mentally parse so my final cool. one is sorry go on dan <laughs> yes, what saying? yeah okay that's bye <laughs> oh, no, 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 i just say I, I got i got some closing thoughts here uh, so let us know what you think about that emotional journey of starting up playing Infinity and share some of your stories based on these questions. Uh, what are some questions we missed? You can reach out to us on Patreon, Discord, Facebook, or on Spotify, and there'll be links in the podcast description. Um, we are 18 out of 20 now for the TAC Awareness Tournament in January 2023. It's on the 22nd here in St. Catharines. Um, and thanks to all the people that joined in on Patreon, and you can get access to the Patreon chat. Uh, so big thanks to Dan and Owen for talking and sharing stories today. Uh, and to you guys for listening in. Uh, and that's it. Now we can do it. Ready? Bye. Bye. <laughs> Night, guys.